Um, how are you doing? Oh, there, there she is. is. Okay. There we go. Okay. Hey, you put Wait, me uh, Thank you. Hi. Um, hey, Sean, what's going on, brother? Um, what's going on? Yes. Yeah, so, um, okay. All right. So I have requests here. It's acting up, but we're going to try our best here. So, of course, for those who don't know, who are just here, we're talking about seasonal depression and depression, how it affects us in different ways holidays and darian is spinning in circles right now yeah i see that murphy's law murphy's law murphy's law but anyway um how's everybody doing i'm going through season depression myself if i have something to say <laughs> yeah yeah uh season depression is real you know what i was just talking to like the group here earlier i was saying how um the actual name is seasonal affective disorder and it spells the word sad oh <laughs> yeah i'm like wait a second like that's correct i never knew the acronym for that was the word sad i was like oh shit. so um yeah so i guess we'll just go one by one um sean since you're here um thank you for popping in with us um actually let me write that on the comment too um open mic style my fault guys uh seasonal depression and darian is spinning so he's gonna um I'm gonna have to kick him. I'm gonna have to boot him out, and then he's gonna have Bring to join back in. Back in. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's what I have to do. When I first put, when he first came on, I I pushed the um, yes join because I thought you wanted me to join, so I pushed it, and then it locked me out. And so I went ahead and then copied my computer because I have it on um. In case your thing come on, it reminds me. And so I clicked on that, and then when I seen that it said request, then I pushed request, and then I was able to get on. Then I mean, then I was able to get through. Got you. Got you. All right. So anyway, I uh, hope everyone's doing you okay. So, because your screen is black, yeah, black to me. Who? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Instagram's glitchy like that. But anyway, we're gonna just get right to it. So, um, seasonal depression. So, um, how does that look like to you guys? Um, uh, maybe I'll go first and say what that is. Um, yeah. Um, that's something I struggled with for a long time, but it didn't really hit me hard until, of course, my brother-in-law's dog wants to make run around the house. But anyway, um, seasonal depression, it's, it, it's real. It's just so real because it's stuff that a lot of people don't talk about. Um, just depression in itself is so harsh, right? Because I feel like depression is like cancer. It doesn't care. It just shows up. And what gets me mad about that is I've had friends that struggle with depression and I hate when people say, oh, just get over it. And I feel like depression is not something you can just turn off like a switch like that. And that's what gets me mad personally. Um, but that struggle is real because there's this thing you don't understand, right? Because it, it, it weights very, very fucking heavy to the point that you feel so low about yourself to the point that it's like, I don't want to fucking live anymore, even though we really don't feel like that at times, but it's just at the moment, it's just very fucking heavy. And I know that Christmas season for me is very depressing because a lot of people I've known died around this time of year. I have family members that died around this time of year. I don't get to see my father anymore. Um, you know, my, my grandmother died on the 30th. 
of December. So there's just all these things like death. Everything was death. Everything was death. Everything was death. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, especially Hispanic culture, you know, um, they do the death ritual things of the, especially with my grandmother. Um, they do these death ritual thing every fucking year. And it was just like, okay, we should be celebrating the fact that she lived a good life, but rather mourning. I feel like it's weird. It's so weird, right? And um, it's like, I didn't really start understanding it until I became a father. Like I noticed, I see a lot of myself in my dad because he was also struggling with depression, but he medicated it with um, with alcohol whenever he was like that. And I try my best not to follow that generational curse because it's real you know um but i'll just start there i'll just start there and then um see where else it goes um you guys go um you tell me how, how does that look like to you well for me i felt since i'm in my 40s now and um i i look at life a whole lot differently so i see things as in i put boundaries up and then i call people out on their bullshit. And so that's what I do. And I've been noticing, I've been doing that, especially now, this year, and especially this season. And it made a lot of people dislike me, but I don't care because I'm like, I'm tired of playing the game of pretending to be okay when I'm not, pretending to be I'm nice when I know these people are just fake. It's like, if they want to be fake, Ooh. I don't have time for it. And so um, in that situation, I realized this time of the year, I'm more real because like, I had a lot of deaths in my family and my parents, they're both dead. And so this is the time when the holidays wow. and celebration happens and they're not around. And so we don't celebrate like the, like when we are younger, you know, when you're young, you have parents, they put the Christmas tree and all the other stuff done. And now that I'm an adult, it's a whole lot different. And so therefore when I come into the holidays, it reminds me of they're not here no more. And mm. families nowadays, we all go out, we all do our separate things. And wow. it's hard, but um, that makes it, makes you really think and say, you know what? How do you get out from that funk, that, 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 that mindset? Mm -hmm. You want to be, you want to be, you want to be like happy celebration. You want to be like, Hey, yeah, but I'm not. This year has been, it's been an awakening as in, I already lost my jobs and I'm like, I'm not mad about it. I feel that God just opened up other doors for me later on. And now it's a little hard, but it always, it's hard right before the blessing comes. It always, when things start hitting yes. you really bad, that's when the blessing hits you after that. But you just got to hold yes. it out and tell that. And that's, that's what I feel like. That's what I'm going through right now. Oh, that's so true. Because you know what's funny too? One thing I struggle with is rejection, right? Because I've had all these job interviews and, and I'm like, why? Well, like, I have all this experience. They they say they like my personality, but yet I I don't get the job, and it gets discouraged. I'm like, okay, is there something wrong with me? Am I too bubbly? Am I too eccentric? Am I too serious? Like, what's the problem? And my wife had to remind me, you know what? If if you didn't get the job, that's their loss. But also, maybe it wasn't meant for you because it could be the op it could be the um perception that you know what god knows was what it could be if that makes sense right because even though it looks like the grass can be green doesn't mean the grass is greener on the other side and my wife had to remind me of that because you don't know what god's protecting you from that's the reality of it or the universe they don't know what you're protecting you from so if certain things get blocked sometimes it's for your own good not for the in a bad way but it's for your own good in an aspect as in you know what? It's protection 
for you, for your mental health. And, and it's so it is so true what you said, right? If God doesn't open that door, maybe that door just wasn't meant for you because we don't know what God's protecting us from, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, got something else for us. He got he got something else waiting for us. And that's what he's gonna bless us. And that means we just have to wait. Sometimes we don't want to hear no. Sometimes God just says wait. And we don't want to wait. We want to just, no, I want to do it my way, but you can't do it your way. It's not thy will be done. It's not my will be done. It's thy will be done. So we have to wait on him. And then we'll be we'll be so grateful and thankful once that happens. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yo, this is better than what I thought it was going to be. Holy shit. I'm sorry, guys. All right. Because um, I didn't get a chance to explain the rules of the <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, so like I said, so everybody that pops in, uh, I want to make sure I give enough time for everybody to pop in and tell their stories and stuff like that. So, um, Sean, thank you for popping in. Um, is there anything else you want to say before I bring the next person in? Oh, no, you go ahead and bring the next person in. You want me to clock out? The pop out? Yes, please. Um, okay, if, if we out. have a little time, then you can probably pop in later on then for okay. sure. But thank you for popping in because I love what you said. Thank you, brother. I appreciate Bye. you. Wow, okay. I'm so sorry, guys, because I got too excited. But, um, okay, so I do have people on the queue. Um, okay, wait, what just happened? I thought I popped out. Okay, let me try. I got you. I got you. I got you, Sean. I, I got you. I got you, brother. Yeah, so how are we doing this is we're going to be bringing people up to talk and then we've got about just about eight minutes so everyone gets like the fair shot to be able to share their story uh you just say what you want to say read a poem do whatever you got to do you know share your words and what you want to say um as it relates to you know how you're doing now and uh, seasonal depression your depression in general um and we are taking notes as we go uh so we have like because we're not going to interrupt you we're just going to let you say what you got to say. You know, this is a no judgment. This is a very safe space for you to be able to say what you want to say. And we're not going to interrupt you. We're just going to take our notes. And then, you know, we'll all go through the line and we'll, you know, we'll say something after and, you know, give you, your, you know, words of encouragement or whatever we can do to relate to you um, or just be there for you. I feel like that's pretty much summed up. Yeah, because yeah, I'll start rambling because I don't shut the fuck up. Sorry. Fucking <laughs> no, so, I yeah, no, so I said some stuff and Sean just popped in. Thank you, Sean, for popping in. Um, do you guys what, what do you guys want to touch on as far as like depression? How does that look like for you guys before I bring in the next person for sure? Um but yeah, I want to make sure you guys tell your truth as well, because that's important. No, it depends on who wants to go first. I mean okay, um, right, ladies um, first and then Dalton and then Darian. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, well, I'm definitely I, the most woman-like here, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for me, it's, I mean, because I, I relate to, you know, Christmas being a time, like, this type of year being the time of year when people just die. My best friend since preschool, kindergarten, was murdered around uh, December, right before Christmas. So, dealing with that and, um... I mean, so many people. I mean, I've been to 20-something funerals in the past, what, like 10 years? Just about, not even. I've lost so many people in my life. I've close friends, family members, people I worked with, people I met in passing, you know, but people that I loved nonetheless. But a lot of them were very, very close to me, people I've known since I was a child, you know. And then I have other people where, you know, not on the death side of it, but people who 
I just don't talk to anymore. And however those friendships fell out, I don't have that person in my life anymore. And while I am grateful that I do have like really incredible people that I can reach out to, and a lot of them are, are in this live watching and, and, you know, here with you guys. But for me, the depression, I mean, this year was a lot different than last year, I think for me, because last year I had a PTSD attack around uh, October and I, I was so close to killing myself last year. I was a mess. I had, I just felt like I had nobody. I was so alone and I felt like nobody understood what I was going through and I was being shamed for my experiences and what happened to me. And it was so bad last year. And then this year I had a, on the opposite side of it, um, I had gone to one of the open mics and as I'm driving in the car, I'm realizing like things are calm for once. Like I don't have anything stressful right now and i have been it's that stage of fight or flight i have been in fight or flight since i was prior to adoption i have been in fight or flight i have not had a moment of my life where i wasn't fighting to survive until like a was like a month ago not even and as i'm driving there i just felt everything like turning off for me emotionally and by the time i pulled up to that open mic i was emotionally gone i had nothing to give i gave everything i could for my friends who were there and on the drive home was the first time in a really long time that i was actually considering self-harm again and i've been clean for a couple of years now and it was one of those things where it's like i i knew it was bad because as i'm in the car driving i'm thinking how am i going to hide on my body where i hurt myself from my partner who sees every inch of my body on a daily basis how can i hide this how can i justify this how can i get to do this and not feel that way again and i came home and i talked to him i did, I, I didn't self harm i i held strong with it but that's been the biggest of everything is around this time of year it is so hard especially when you know all the families are split up. You know, we go to my mom's house, we go to his mom's house, or, you know, the kids are with us one holiday or they're with their father for the next holiday. And I don't really care about Christmas or any of the holidays around this time of year. And it's just because I never saw a point in celebrating it because I'm not, you know, I, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in, you know, any of that. I'm more shit happens when it happens. And maybe there is something looking out for you but I haven't seen that proof for myself. And I have terrible, terrible relationship with the church because of how I grew up. And, you know, I recently, uh, not recently, like within the past couple of years, found out I was Jewish and, you know, by birth and all this other stuff. And it was so much going on. We lost you. I know where people tell me I don't belong, but I feel like a lot of times I don't have a space for myself. And I don't have, you know, a way to let it out because I'm, I'm a parent. I have two small kids who are looking up to me. I have to get up at 7 o'clock in the morning, make sure the lunches and everything's figured out. I have to make sure all the co-parenting stuff is figured out for them. You know, I have to do that. I don't get a break like that because no matter what I do, at the end of the day, I'm a parent. And I don't get that chance to break down and that's that's where it comes from for me is I don't have that space to lose myself because I can't afford to lose myself.
Mm. Wow. Yeah, sorry, I just, yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm just trying to, yeah, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> so I'll have, um, let me have Amy go, and then Darian, you go, that's cool. Bye by me. What's going on, Miss Uncultured Asian? How are you? It's been a long time. I'm good, I know it has been. Um, yeah, how's this work? This is new. Yeah, so um, it's pretty much open mic stuff. I mean, you could read a piece if you want, or just we're just talking about seasonal depression, just having hard hitting conversations, and that's pretty much what it is. You could pop in, put your two cents in, or if you have a piece you want to read, you could do that too. You don't have to. Uh, if you want to just give your thoughts, that's pretty much what this whole thing is, honestly. Uh, something different, and uh, that's really what it is. You know, it's to have more conversations. Um, there's a lot of things that need to be had, and you know, that that's really what this is all about. Yeah, so see, seasonal depression, it's a a real thing. Um, my son says I have it. <laughs> but, um, you know, I know someone real dear to me in my life uh, recently um, had both lost his parents within a six-month span. And right before, you know, um, mother, father passed away in March, mother passed away in October. So they definitely did not go into this year knowing that they were at the end of it. They were going to lose both of their parents before it came down to the holidays, you know. Um, and I know several other people in my life, when this time comes, they don't want to celebrate. You know, regardless if they have kids or don't have kids. And, you know, the holiday season, you know, even though, um, you know, except for Thanksgiving, because that's not a religious holiday. It's a holiday of genocide, right? But um, Christmas isn't just for, it's been commercialized. It's not all about about your belief. It's not all about your belief in, in God, um, but in those around you that are in your life that do love you, that do need your presence in it. And I hope anyone that's listening, there is that one person that needs you around. If not, you know, um, reach out to us, right? I can't speak for everyone, but I know you definitely can reach out to Andy. Um, you definitely can reach out to anyone that's on the screen. I can't see everybody, you know. Um, my My depression isn't solely on seasonal depression so if i could i i do have a poem that has uh trickled through my existence for the last two decades is that okay yes go okay. for it all right so i'll give you all a little backstory um ever since i've been 20 i've been diagnosed with kidney disease and it's something that, you know, I don't share too often, but I've recently been telling people my story. And um, about three weeks ago, three Mondays ago, they informed me that one of my kidneys was actually um, dying off. So they used the word atrophic when at that time I didn't know what atrophic meant. Um, and that I looked it up. And that Wednesday I got discharged from the hospital. 
And I was in a very, very dark place. But anyone that knows me knows that I stand on my word. So if I'm going, if I say I'm going to do something, I am going to do it, regardless of my depression state. The No matter what I'm going through, how I feel, if I say I'm going to do it, I know that my word is bond. So I'm going to do it. So I did go on a stage that Friday. And I felt... I was in a real dark place and people came out to support me to to support me and no one knew that came out to support me or who I was around what I was going through you know um so this poem takes you through that Monday through that Friday when I stepped on foot on the stage um so this is this piece It's profound how a word can change you how you hoped your assumed definition wasn't true that right before you gassed up search engines, slowly clicking your way into an intervention. Words get your attention like a traffic. And I first heard trophy, so if you know me, no, I really did think I may be housing a gold mine, but nah, I knew better. Because all these years of walking around stoned without any physical gems underneath my thought surface, tucked deep in my head, lift patches of flowers with deteriorating stems. That's a trophic. Defined a decrease in size of an organ or tissue, wasting, wasting, it's wasting, I'm wasting, am I wasting my time? Pondering the thought of, if I died today, would I have reached my fullest potential? Am I being essential? Are the words I choose to etch on listening hearts powerful enough to breathe life into just one living corpse? Would my own bloodline remember me as a woman who has touched many souls, inspired by the same, and pass her gifts to her own? Would I impact my children just as much as my arts has grown? Or is my impact a trophic too? I wonder. With my eyes bleeding out tears, praying to God that somehow he delivers a cure. And why he opened up so many doors just to lock me inside of a depression tour. I'm stuck chained down shackled by everything that i could be suffocating choking on a mental prison i created just for me i can't seem to break free movements pace low zombie form hands out but hearted lukewarm in the midst of the coldest depressed storm i'm overheating Boiling over in freezing degrees while I let this victory reign over my disease. It can't win. Maybe one day, but not on this Friday. If I was to be remembered in any facet, they would only say I stood on my word before I laid in verbs in someone's casket. So I present my presence in an unfamiliar setting. That's was my promise, and I kept it. And even though I wanted no more than to lay in my sorrows of how many more times I'll be gifted tomorrows, I answered, recognized by strangers, remembering to smile with my eyes so they don't unpeel my layers. And I'm just present in the flesh. But underneath this atrophic mesh lives someone others cling to. And they don't know the terrors of what I bring myself to. They 
came to see me stage in front of unfamiliar faces, wondering if the words I speak of could have any relations I speak in power. That night, I spoke so every single spirit could see this flower. I touched souls. And most important, I breathe life back into my atrophic bones. Uncultured. Oh my God. Wow. Oh, holy shit. Bro, what? Oh. Um, I felt that. I felt every word you said. Like, I felt like I was the heartbeat, if that makes sense. As you're saying it, I, that's coming from your heart. That's coming from your soul. I felt that. Like, oh, shit. Thank wow. you. Yeah, and that goes for like, you know, even though it's just dealing with, you know, my issues, I know like a lot of people um, will understand what I say when it comes to, you know, confining ourselves. Mm. Mm. Oh, my God. So much respect for you. Oh, my God. Wow. Thank you. I appreciate you. Oh man, okay. I kind of have we kind of have to let this sink in right now because that was wow, guys. I don't know. What are you? What are your thoughts? Because I have I'm like speechless right now. Uh, I can feel my hairs standing up on my body right now. I guess that's a really good way to describe it. That was very, very powerful, very incredible. I don't. Mm. I can't. I really don't have many words for it besides just like wow, that was beautiful, very well written. My God, I wish that I could do shit like that. <laughs> you can. <laughs> I just, I use all the words from the dictionary, if that helps. I think I'm going to have to read the dictionary. Because <laughs> my favorite trash. book, the dictionary. Yeah, that's my favorite book now, the dictionary. That's all the fun, bro. <laughs> oh, God. Dude, my father, ha oh God, my, in my mom's house, even to this day, there's this big, gigantic-ass dictionary that still exists. And it's like a dictionary encyclopedia. It's like this big-ass blue book. My father used to throw that shit at us if we misbehaved. It's like the first one, the dictionary that was ever made. <laughs> that's how big that shit was. I was like, what the, I'm like, yo, what is going on? And then like on the, on the, um, on the on the actual side of the book, I forget what that part is called with the pages. Um, they had like these these indentures that have all the alphabet going down. Is that yeah. how thick it was? <laughs> wow! See, she, she knows. She knows what I'm talking about. I have one. I have one of those. <laughs> oh my god! Wow! Wow! Uncultured, it's so good to see you. You have no, oh my god, like, thank I'm you. Yeah, like, and I so wanted so much, you. like, you guys, I wanted to come to New Jersey, but I was going through a round of surgeries at that time that was unexpected. And yeah, listen, I your your know. health comes first. We'll always have another one. I'm, I'm trying to plan another one before the year's over. I just got to figure out how what day and stuff like that. So we're kind of talking, we're trying In to get that through <laughs> Yeah, listen, man, I feel like, you know, this, to end the year, we got to have something. We got to have one more because I know my town definitely needs art and the res the response I got for that open mic we did was 
tremendous. So I know yeah. we're on the right track. Like this town, especially this town, Bayonne, they need art. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Hopefully I'll be able to come to the next one because if I come, I'm um I'm uh dragging some poets with me. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Uncultured, always a pleasure to have you. I'm gonna bring yeah. in the next person in, but thank you, thank you, thank you. So, oh, so happy to see you. Oh my God. All right, let me look at the queue. All right, uh, bringing the next person in. Um, I felt bad because I, I felt like it's Darian and Dalton. They're like, I'm so sorry, guys. Like, <laughs> so in the meantime, that's like who wants to go next for the uh, for those two? I don't know. We can. All right, so we can. I'm, we can I'll, wrestle I'll, for I'll it. Pick. Yeah, so you know what, Dalton, you you give me your thoughts. <laughs> okay, my boss giving sounds me. Sounds like Darian's trying to wrestle with me. Yeah, I got the oil here, so you can come over to my place. Are you trying to? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get the oil. Oh. I, got, right, I got the popcorn and I got the video camera. We got this. It'll be fun. We'll make some bank. All right, I'm having a problem bringing people in. Why? Well, until then, we can just give Dalton some time to speak, and then I'll jump in until <laughs> we can figure it out. And let me time them, because uh, we got the timer on this side for the eight minutes. Oh, look, it's Andy's face. Sorry. We got the timer on this side. Um, for So when, uh, probably like a, like a code or something, like was like three fingers means like, like eight, eight minutes, minutes is almost up or something. Because like I do this yeah, like, a lot, like so this isn't going to help. <laughs> All right. Um, so, something that's, that I'd taken note of, right, and it was something that our first guest had made mention of is especially you know like in the working day uh you know jobs can be a really really big stressor on things like depression um and i mean i completely understand that i literally on my 18th birthday i was out there putting in applications and you know like a week later i started working and it was just kind of bootstraps ever since you know you you dig in and you just deal with it and especially now with how important my job is and how important I am to my job it, it's really tough to grapple with having you know these deep issues like not only just depression but then seasonal depression makes it so much worse and having to deal with that but still be a functioning adult, still have responsibilities and still be able to maintain yourself, you know, and that, that is a really, really hard thing to deal with. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's something I've noticed a lot in, uh, in like American culture specifically is we kind of like fetishize work. Right. But I, I think that has a lot more to do with more people are depressed than we're willing to admit. Um, you know, because, like, self-harm comes in a lot of different ways. And, you know, treating yourself like shit, not eating right, or not taking care of yourself in some manner, that's a really difficult thing, and it affects you in a really negative way. You know, but we all, I, I don't want to say we all, but a lot of us do it. We put ourselves in these positions because we just, we have to have something to throw ourselves into, and we end up killing ourselves slowly by doing things like smoking and eating bad food and drinking alcohol, you know, and that that's the kind of stuff that even though it's quote unquote, like more relatable, I guess, um, you know, it still counts as self harm because why do we do any of that in a perfect world? We wouldn't have to, 
but in a perfect world, there wouldn't be things like depression. Um, you know, and it's it's one of the reasons, because, like, I'm not an overly religious person, but I think in most aspects, religion can be a really great thing, right? Because some people are at the lowest of the low, you know, they, you know, you, you hear it all the time in prison, especially, people do these horrible things, and then they have that time to reflect, they find, you know, religion and realize, like, I never had to be that way, and no, they can't change what they've done, but it helps them come to terms with what they've done, and it brings them back into, you know, a more safe headspace, and I think religion can be a really great thing for that. You know, people who deal with, you know, medical issues, or everybody in their family is gone, things like that, religion is a really important thing because it helps people get through. It gives them somebody to talk to. It gives them a place to be, you know, other people who understand, you know, and obviously there's good and bad in all situations, but overall, I think something like religion especially is a really positive thing for depression. Um, you know, and I, like I said, I'm not overly religious. I don't really deal with that kind of stuff all that often um you know i at the end of the day i just kind of realize that i've got more responsibilities than i do feelings so i uh i i took responsibility for my issues and i deal with it the best i can um you know and i keep in mind that if it ever got to that point where i felt like i wasn't safe in my own head that i would you know, reach out or contact somebody, do anything I can to keep myself alive, you know, but we are all responsible for the things that go on in our head and only we can make that distinction, you know, because nobody who doesn't want to be helped will get help. Very well said, Don. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you on that, brother. For, um, you could have not said that any better. That was, wow. You know, that was great. Amazing. What about you, Darian, before we go to Nick? Uh, what about you, man? Um, you know, I mostly just wanted to touch on just like a few different things that I had in mind. You know, the first thing that I want to start off by saying before I really go into what I want to say is, you know, I want to – my big thing that I discussed with you guys before we started was just like, you know, we have this crazy epidemic of mental health issues that is going on in the country. And I think the normalization of what is going on in this world needs to be more talked about. I think that mental health, depression, anxiety, anything of the such has become more growing to be known and people are starting to get the help that they need. But I think that we're still at a level where it's not normalized enough where people are getting the help that they need. And I think a lot of that goes, you know, into different categories for people not being assure, insured. So, you know, the affordability when it comes to care, therapy, medication, anything of the such is something that's really limited to a lot of people in the country and in the world in general. And I think that that's leading to a lot of the issues that we see going on as people get older, it's harder for them to become productive members of society. And it's just, it's causing uh, just strain on everybody, you know, because when somebody in a family is depressed, you know, and they're hurting and the rest of the family is hurting and depressed. So, you know, the best thing that I think that we can do as a group and as people is what we need to do is reach out to your friends, reach out to your family, make sure they're okay. If you notice something's going on with them, they're acting differently, they're not doing, they're not the same anymore, check in with them, call them, see how they're doing, say, hey, I've been thinking about you, I love you, 
want to see how you're doing. Hit me up if you need anything, you know, and don't be afraid to reach out if you are having issues as well. That's very important. I know it's hard and a lot of people don't like to do it, but you should. You should have at least one person in your life that you have the availability to reach out to at any time of the day, no matter what you need. That's just how it should be. Um, on a few of the things that were discussed like earlier, um, responsibilities and work, I think, was like a big thing that was touched on between uh, Dalton and the first gentleman that was in here. And, um, uh, you know, I work I, I work 12 hour days. You know, I have I'm, I'm thankful to have a really good job where I make really good money. I have great insurance. You know, I get three days off during the week because I think a lot of the things like what Dalton said is how we fetishize working in this country where it's to a point to where people are, you know, oh, I just cranked out a 95 hour work week. And I'm like, damn, dude, that's not good. You should probably care about yourself a little bit. And the fact that people have to work these crazy over hours all the time so that way they can afford living is ridiculous and it's something that i've had to deal with because i've been homeless i've had to sleep in my car in the middle of the winter i deal with addiction on top of all that kind of stuff and not having money and not having insurance has been the biggest downfall of my mental health for a very long time i deal with very severe eczema uh, due to topical steroid withdrawal because of being overprescribed certain medications when I was a kid. And I break out in these really crazy, like off the wall rashes that are like big, like scabs all over my body. And it's disgusting. It's very embarrassing. And it makes me want to be a recluse. I don't want to leave the house. You know, I suffer from agoraphobia because of it, because during the summer, I'm tempted to just wear big sweatshirts and long pants and just cover myself up, even though it's 100 degrees outside. And it's really destroyed me to the point to where, you know, I've gained a lot of weight. I'm like up to like 220 now. And that's the heaviest I've ever been in my life. So, you know, I think that what we need to focus on and something that I would like to see change in the world around me is not only people normalizing these issues more in the coming years, but we need to have a government and we need to have people that are willing to understand that these are very important things for people to a point to where we shouldn't have to pay for therapy if you're freaking depressed. You shouldn't have to worry, hey, I can't go to the hospital because I can't afford this $10,000 bill that's going to hit me in the freaking butt in a week. You know, We need people to understand that um, the majority of the people in this country, they can't afford what they need to be able to take care of themselves. They're overweight. They're not eating right. It's expensive as fuck to eat healthy. You know, so nobody can do that. So they're not taking care of their bodies. So they're falling deeper and deeper and deeper into the hole. They hit their back once and then they fall six more feet a week later because their tire popped on their car. You know, it's just and because of that, it's just piling on for people and the mental health is just getting worse and worse and worse. So I, I want people to just understand millions of people are diagnosed with depression every year and don't be afraid to take care of yourself. Take your time. Love yourself. You know, if you're overly working because you need to survive, then you're not living. And, you know, I think that's been my biggest issue over the years is I've just I've not had the ability to do anything. And my depression has caused, you know, really reckless, destructive behavior in the form of self-harm, driving really recklessly with no seatbelt, thinking whatever, whatever happens to me, it is what it is. So, I mean, that's just my big message is, you know, normalize this. Tell everybody wow. to love each other and check out with your friends, you know. Yeah. Amen. It's true. Sometimes I love the message. Yeah. Well, what's up, Nick? Talk to us, brother. Hello, 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 Randy. No, Andy. 
the um the real Andy Morales. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Uh, I just have a lot of thoughts. I just have a lot of thoughts going through my head. Um but as you know, um my brother died two mo- two months ago. Um so a little bit about my depression is I'm a um a person that suffers from permanent brain damage. Um when I was seven years old, two kids grabbed my head and slammed me against a, a metal pole. Um, and it was it was it was a solid metal pole. And I mean, they they uh, they grabbed my head and slammed me um, face forward into a metal pole. My skull my skull broke. In turn, um, as a result, the doctors had to stitch my had to put stitches. Um, to to close to close the the gap in the skull, and as a result, I got permanent brain damage. So there are times where I I will black out, times where I can't be in the heat too long because if I'm in the heat too long, it black my 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 brain immediately blacks out. Like I have these random blackouts where I some. Sometimes I'll be thinking of something and I'll I'll forget. Um, and I'm also a kid that I'm also a kid that was born with autism and ADHD. Um, and when I was little, people called people called me the spawn of the devil. People called me the son of the devil. People told me to go kill myself. People told me to slit my throat. People told me to die in my sleep. People told me I was just a figment of their imagination. I was non-existent that I should have never been alive. And um, people I thought were my friends, they just turned, they just pushed me to the side like a piece of, of trash. Wow. They they told me, oh, we don't want to sit. We don't want to sit with someone who's retarded. We don't want to sit with someone who's mentally crazy. We don't want to sit with someone who's who's insane. They called me insane because I was I had autism. They they just bullied me. They just hurt me. And when I was when I was seven years old, I I was abused by the bus aide. The bus aide grabbed the book out of my hand, slapped me in my face until my until the blood dripped down my face. Um. I almost literally died because if she kept slapping me, I would have I would have died from loss of blood. I mean, there was when I said blood red, I mean literally blood dripping down my face. And in turn, that that bus aide got fired, and and also she got um she was banned permanently from any getting any job in the state of Florida. Because she broke over forty, over forty laws in the Child Care Act, um, attempted murder, um, neglect, um, child abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse, um, and she was charged with attempted murder because she attempted to kill me. I saw my face 
I've suffered, I, I've been bullied 25 times throughout my life. I've been bullied to a point where, at one point, I wanted to end my life. I had 23 suicide attempts. 23 times I tried to, to remove myself. 23 times I wanted to leave this, this world. Because um, people just made me feel like I, I, I wasn't wanted. People just made me feel like, um, and, I, and I asked myself, at one point I asked myself, um, do I belong? Um, do I belong in this world or am I just a, a plague? Am I just a virus? Am I just a, a, a or am I just a, a, a corrupt, a corruption on this earth? Because I tried to be people's friends and at one point it got to a point where I didn't talk to my family for five years. I didn't talk to my own mother for five years. I didn't speak, I, and, and when I say I, I didn't talk to anyone, I mean, I, I, I was mute for five years because it got to that point where I didn't want to talk. I didn't want to speak. No, no words came out of my mouth for five years. And at one point, I had to learn. After five years, I had to learn how to speak again because after five years, I, I, I've lost all um. I've lost, uh, my brain literally lost the ability to, my brain had to learn, to, it was in the infant state where it had to learn to speak again. Because after five years of my brain, of, of me not speaking, my brain had to, has reverted back to that infant state. And so it had to learn to, it had to learn everything all over again. And... It was, it, it was my family that helped me, um, helped me um, get back um, out of that state. It was my family that let me know why I'm here. Um, it's my family that let me know why um, I'm still here. And, and... And my story inspired me to create a project was I just and Andy we having though I created a foundation. So I call it the Youth Project Foundation. This foundation I created has partnered with nine nonprofits in one week. And this foundation, um, because I think it was I was I was inspired a little bit by um by Florence's story um, from the last line that I was in, where she said that um, that um, she's a mother that um, cares about her child, and so I wanted to. So I created a live. No, I created a foundation that helps children. This foundation helps children who have been bullied, help children who are in these violent conditions, help children who are who have who are going through depression, anxiety. Of children who are in these communities where in society today it's so easy for a parent to kill a child and get away with it. In society today we made it to where a mother or father could 
kill a child and get away with it. So this this project was designed to, and this foundation was designed to help um, stop that, to help um, rewrite the narrative, to make this a conversation, to say that killing a child just because they're your child, um, that's not okay. Because you, you can't kill a child. Um, and I, I tell people that there's billions of dollars in the world, but there's only one child. A child, um, a, a child is, a, is special. A child is unique. And if, if, if that child dies, they're gone. But if you lose, if you lose money, you can always earn more. So, um, the one question that I hear a lot of people ask themselves is, when, when's my next paycheck? When, when am I getting paid? How much am I getting paid? But they don't ask themselves, is my child okay? Should I check on my child's well-being? Should I make sure my child's okay or my child's still alive? They don't ask themselves that. And when you, and that's what we call bad parenting. When when you're not checking on the well-being of your child, because what you don't know is you're pushing your child to depression. You're pushing your child to committing suicide if 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 you just push your child away. Because that's um a lot of parents nowadays they focus on more than one thing, but. Um, a child's well-being is the number one priority. Because as a mother, as a father, it's your job to take care of your children. It's your job to make sure that they're fed, that they have water, that they have a roof overhead, that they that they're safe. And my my story that I told you about, um, my depression has inspired me to. I've changed my, I've used my depression to create, as inspiration to create this, um, to create this foundation. And we're doing a lot of stuff this month. We're doing, um, we're doing a toy drive. We're doing, um, we're doing, we're donating to these, these youth shelters to give these kids so the money so they can, buy food, they can buy clothes, they can have a roof over their head. Um, stuff that they need to survive. And we are also um, doing a lot of stuff to help these children um, in their community um, find their voice and letting them know they're not alone. And that that's my story. And I hope I inspired you. Thank you. Nah, thank you so much, brother. So listen, I'm going to boot you up so I can bring in the next person in. But um, Nick, thank you for bringing um, – thanks for telling us your story because that's important. It's true. Um, it's unfortunate that this is what life is. You know, like you have a child, but you can't fully support them. Or you have a child, and yet you allow them to get neglected like that. And then you kind of point the finger at them kind of thing. Oh, that's your fault. It's your fault this. And it's like it's, – it's crazy, you know. So – um. Thank you so much, brother. I really appreciate you, man. I'm going to bring in the next person for sure. But, Nick, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you.
Yeah, it's always really great hearing from you, Nick. Thank you. And we really yeah. always appreciate hearing from you. And um, I think a really important thing that you did touch on, too, is, is with the kids, you know, because that's why our, our kid is in therapy and we, he will continue to be in therapy. And anytime he needs it, he can just ask for it, both of them, any of any children that we have in the future yeah. or that we currently do have. You know, as two people who struggle with mental health issues, um, with ADHD, depression, anxiety, panic disorders, all this crazy stuff, it is really important to see the signs in your own kid and just make sure that they're that they're doing all right because that is one of the most important things, at least for us as well, is making sure that our children are able to go forth in this world and know that they're not alone, know that they can talk to us and we're not going to yell at them or invalidate them. You know, if yeah. you are having a bad day, you are allowed to have a bad day. You want to roll your eyes and stomp up the stairs. Absolutely. Go for it. You are a child. You are still learning. I don't give them those expectations of you have to behave. You have to do this. You have to do that. Up breathe until a certain point. up until a certain point. Yeah. yeah. They are still children, but, I let them have their little bits of attitude and just, you want to go stomp around your room, go for it. You need to let that out because you cannot keep that in. And that's very important. So I, I really appreciate what you said, Nick. That is amazing as always. No doubt, man. Thank you so thank much, you. brother. I appreciate you. All right. So I'm going to boot you off to bring the next person. All right, brother. But thank you so much, man. All right. Bye, Darren. Bye. Have a good night. All right. All right. Oh man, that was this is good. Okay, because my cue is kind of insane right now, so I'm gonna bring in the next person. I have a list here. Sorry, also I'm like dying. My allergies are killing me. All right, so I'm trying to bring the next person in, but sometimes it's like a whole delay. Oh, perfect. Hello, hello, hi. hi. How are you? How are you? I'm good. I'm glad it's Friday. <laughs> yes. Very, very, very happy yeah. it's Friday. Um, so we're talking about mental health, right? Mental health, depression. Yes, depression, seasonal depression, how it affects our lives in different, you know, whether it's the holidays or just overall, that's what we're touching on. I mean, if you want to read a piece, you can read a piece also. It's yeah, fine. Or you want to just give your thoughts, that's fine. Eight minutes? Yeah, eight minutes. Okay, if I'm I do gonna... this, it means you're just about up, hon. Okay. I'm just, I'll do one poem. Um, this is definitely about mental health. It's not specifically depression, but you'll understand um this is called rate your pain mm. Mm. with zero meaning dead and 11 meaning heaven let's work on a scale from one to ten so on a scale of one to ten how am i feeling today well in my case it gets a bit complicated mostly because i believe that whole rate of pain number scale thing is relatively useless when it comes to gauging actual suffering and actual pain. I mean, I could say, yes, I'm depressed. I'm at a three. Meaning, meaning what? A three can mean many different things to different people. Some of us with depression really never get to experience tens. Some of us rarely get to feel nines. So a three may not be too bad for them. But for someone who lives around nine, any prolonged period of sitting at three would be like slowly dying, being boiled alive or set on fire. The numbers are arbitrary. My six may be your four or vice versa. 
So I suggest that we replace this outdated, essentially useless system with something that makes much more sense. Words. When a therapist or a doctor asks you on a scale of one to 10, how are you today? Instead of saying 10, you could say, well, tomorrow's gonna have to be worse because today is the best day of my life. And instead of nine, better than fine, thanks. I can't remember the last time I felt this way. If you wanna say eight, stop yourself and say instead, it's been a good day, solid, thanks. Even as you say those words, your mind may be whispering, let's just hope it stays that way. But if you don't have that luck and you drop down to a seven, you can say, I feel myself slipping, but I'm still living, I'm still thriving. For a six, you could simply say the words, I am trying. And if you get down to a five, you could say, I'm proud of myself that I'm not currently crying. A four level resp response could be, well, at least I'm here and faking a smile and not curled up in a fetal position on the floor. And I think we could all agree a reasonable response for a three would be, I have to be high to eat right now. Because I would not have one single slice of appetite if not for the weed. What's a two? Two may be, well, thanks for asking, but my actual response would send you running, so I'll just say, I'm fine. And a one would be silence. Because at a one, most people cannot function. At a one, if you have the energy or motivation to fake a grin or even speak, then you are a superhero. Because at my ones, I can barely find the energy or motivation to keep breathing. I understand this new system is not quite as quick or as catchy as our previous system, but let's try doing it this way. So on a scale of one to 10, how are you feeling today? God damn. <laughs> Holy, Yo, Holy shit. That was That's exactly what it is. The, the wow. um, that makes me really think about, uh, a past of me of mine that I'll explain a little bit you know um I used to be a pretty heavy I used to be a dick let's put it that way let's just say <laughs> let's put it bundling you know I used to be an asshole you know I used to be very um uh how can that be something that upsets somebody you know they're weak you know all that kind of shit and then I got humbled you know and then I I learned really really quick about how different levels of trauma affect different that affects people differently as a whole, you know, something that somebody could just shrug off their shoulder and be like, whatever could be something that would put another person, you know, down a spiral. spiral. Yeah. So yeah. that was and very beautifully written. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. That mm. the whole number system is completely arbitrary. It's yeah. How much time do I have? Three minutes. Three minutes. <sighs> I mean, if you want to go a little extra two minutes, that, that, that's fine. Okay, because I have, I have one more that I think you guys will like. Um, Sounds good. So this piece is called Liar. Yeah, Everyone, huh? No, so let's do this. I already, mm -hmm. I'm already feeling it already. Ooh. Everyone smiles and nods when people say, I'm good because I'm above ground. And every day above ground is another good day. And I understand that sentiment, but God, 
some of those days, those above ground days. I'm so deep inside my own head, entombed so deeply in the tangles of my depression, anxiety, and OCD that I barely notice I'm not buried under six feet of earth, under six feet of musty dirt. The only reason I even notice I'm still breathing sometimes is because my breath starts to circulate too quickly. My lungs start to pump at too quick a rate for my brain to keep up and I start to hyperventilate and a panic attack comes. Some days the panic and the pain are the only things that remind me I am actually still attached to this earthly plane and not buried six feet under. In those times, those days when I am indeed above ground but still too deep inside myself to hear anything but the screams of my own mind, I turn to my family and friends for love and support and I poison them. I inject them with my mania and my darkness and my depression and my obsessions until they're so overwhelmed they can do nothing else than throw their hands in the air and walk away. And I don't blame them, but I hate them. But I love them far more than I hate them and that's the important thing. Although I must admit some days I'm not sure if they love me more than they hate me, but that could also just be the depression talking. Sometimes it's really hard to tell. Just like when my anxiety tells me he's not responding because he's mad at me, when in reality he's not responding because he's working, but that doesn't matter to the rats in my brain. The panic rats are convinced that I've said something strange and now he's avoiding my messages when in truth he hasn't even seen them yet because his phone is not in his pocket because he's working. Mental illness is a liar. That is its defining characteristic. It lies to you. It whispers to you and tries to convince you into believing all this bullshit that simply isn't true. It wants us to believe we're ugly, unlovable, failures. But the worst lie it tells us is that we are alone. Because that lie is so easy to believe. In dark moments, that lie just feels so true. But it's not. Speaking personally, just me, I received a DM after a performance of a particularly dark piece, and this person had written simply, thank you for bringing awareness to this type of despair and being an example of the light you can shine when you stay. I cried that night. That's when I knew for a fact we are not alone. Knowing that fact won't kill the panic rats. Knowing that fact won't kill the darkness and turn on all the lights and suddenly brighten my life, but knowing that fact does matter. Mental illness is a liar. Remember that truth the next time it tries to whisper to you. Thank you for indulging oh. two pieces. <laughs> I fucking love you. Like, I, I just recently posted, uh, I've been chronalizing basically my panic attacks that I've been having. I have a, one of the smartwatches that tracks my panic attacks. And I shared it just like, you know, like, hey, you know, this is me. This is what I suffer with. My BPM will jump from a 60 normal to 130 something. And this I'm just. This goes up to 140. Yep. And I'm like, what yep. the fuck? Okay, that's great. Yep. That's fantastic. Yeah, and like I, I shared, and I was like, you know, like let's just 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 to see, you know, so people understand more about me, you know, and and yeah. I, I'm trying to share more of myself because I've been very private in the past because I don't yeah. want to be shamed or publicly, you know, 
God, I can't fucking word today. I do words yeah. and I'm it's not yeah. Exactly. You know, I don't want people to see that weakness that I feel is a weakness and right. use it against me, oh like, oh she's crazy, oh she has panic, oh they have this, yeah. oh they have that. You know, and I shared it and the amount of messages that I received, the amount of comments, the amount of people who have multiple, multiple dozens of panic attacks a day just like me. I realized and I was like, I'm not alone in that. I'm I there are people and I feel terrible that you relate to that, but I also feel great because I'm not alone. Exactly. And it's like this this fucking cycle, you know. Exactly. What I don't I don't know if I follow you. I don't. What's your handle? Uh Schizo Trash Poet. Okay. I just followed you. I'm gonna send you all I my see. poems. Um, Please do. I have a poem called Snap that is all about panic attacks. Mm. Um, mm. So I can I can send you that. I'll send you the performance of it. I would but, love that. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for indulging an extra piece. I appreciate you. Um, thank you so much. That was beautiful. Thank you. Yes. I know y'all have a cue, so thank you. Y'all, if you don't know me, I'm Cynical Insomniac, spoken word artist in Wilmington, North Carolina. I've got a couple of books out. They're on Amazon. Link's in my bio. Um, and I also have a workshop every Sunday at, at uh, 4.30 PEST, if anyone is mm. interested in that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Have a nice night. Have a great night. No doubt. No Bye. doubt. Wow. What? Wow, damn. That was amazing. Yo, that, yeah. what? This, yo, this night just gets better and better. Uh, all right. Um, I have... All right. I'm bringing the next person because... Um, all right, come on. This is wow. All right, hello, hello, Nicole. How are you? Hi, I'm doing fine. I have one that is not about depression, but it's kind of prevention to depression, like about expressing yourself. Yeah, that's fine. Sounds good. I wrote it today, about an hour ago, a little bit of an hour ago. And it's called Express Yourself. I strongly encourage you, yes, all of you, to express yourself. Yes, be yourself unapologetically. Don't dumb yourself down. Don't wear a frown if you're not heard. Express yourself. Spread the word. The early bird gets the worm. The free bird always gets turned somewhere. At home, you may not get to share your expressions. At home, you might have to do it in private. But your true self, you should not hide it. Only with one friend who was an NWA, I could really express myself with him all day, every day. I felt like Ice Cube when he said, "I'm expressing myself with my full. I'm expressing with my full capability, and now I'm at home for no reason, like I'm in a correctional facility, like Charles Wright." It's not what you look like when you're doing what you're doing. It's what you're doing when you're doing what you look like you're doing. Express yourself. I was always told that when I was young to do your best at everything and let your words be for you. In the hood, we say, do what you do. It's really saying to me, express yourself. And be all that you can be apologetically. Like sound pitfall said to us in the 80s. Express yourself. You gotta be you and only you, babe. Express yourself. Let me be me. 
express yourself. Don't tell me what I cannot do, baby. Come in and work your body. I told you to express yourself. Don't worry about anyone else. Have fun with and work with what God gave you. You can only be you. My advice to you is to express yourself, boo. Don't let people limit you. Do what you do. Love who you want to love. Love is real when you can be yourself unapologetically with your significant other. Yes, when you feel more free with them than your sisters and brothers. Yes, Madonna said it best. Do you and love, she said. Don't go for a second best, baby. Put your love to the test. You know, you know, you got to make him express how he feels. And baby, then you know your love is real. I said, express yourself. Love yourself too. Do you. Be yourself unapologetically. This is what expressing yourself or self-expression means to me. That's that piece. Ooh. Oh wow. my god. Wow. wow. <laughs> I, love, I, I love to be unapologetically yourself. That's that's what I try to live by. That is absolutely amazing. I'm glad yeah. that you said that in there. Man. Oh, and it's so hard to do too. Yes. It's so hard, especially when people yeah. judge you and people try to bring you down for who you are. It is so yeah. hard to get back up and be like, well, fuck you. I am who I am. And if you don't like <laughs> it, you can suck my ass. So, you know, yes. that's the nicest way I could say it, you know, but yes. no, like it's so hard to do. And like, I love that. I love that so much. You are incredible. Thank you. Yes. Thank y'all um, for having me on, and I and I can relate to it myself because it's hard to be yourself, you know, around people who mm -hmm. always gonna say, "Oh, she crazy. Oh, she nuts. Oh, she don't." Yeah, so I I know how it feels. Thank you so much. Uh, so much respect for you. For, thank you for thank you. Wow. Well, wow, I'm my own cloud nine right now, so I'm like I'm having yeah. another poetgasm over there, bud. <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> well, thank oh you. my God! Thank you. Uh, anything, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm gonna bring the next person, but Nicole, thank you for popping in. All right. You Appreciate have a good you. night. Bye bye. You know, express, I'm really express yourself, boo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Andy, be on cloud bye. nine, man. Bye bye. Yeah. Oh my God! That means more guys really think in the chat now, because like I'm like I'm I'm having like an ADHD moment where I want to get up and start like walking around and pacing because like I'm having a small anxiety attack and I just want to do all the weird shit I want to do, but I don't want people being yes. like, why are they so weird? So like That's every great. five minutes, just in the chat, stimming and 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 having a moment and trying not to twitch or or stutter the way that I do, and it's like, goblin yeah. time so is done. So, because uh, I know Magnus is on the queue, I'm trying to bring her in, but for some reason, like it's not Magnus. letting me. All right, so, so because it's already like nine fifteen, nine twenty. Uh, but anyway, I turned off the queue, so uh, pretty much the queue is closed. So the last three people I have here is the last few people I have here, but for some reason, I'm trying to bring Magnus in. You gotta give it a second because when you working. tried to bring me in, it wasn't working at first, and it took like a minute. Yeah, Bobby tried to bring her in the whole time. Nothing pops in. Like, hmm. I don't know. update their their like Instagram or something, or like is is yeah? It is says Mastetic is unable to join. 
We bring in, so I'll bring the next person in the meantime. Um, Magnus, oh, try man. to update your app if you need to update it and see if you can get in after that. Go into your app store and see if there's an update needed. That might, yeah, that might yeah, be man. it. So in the meantime, before we start with the next one, I wanted to make a point on yeah. something uh, Darian had said. Um, it, it's a phrase that I've been saying for a really, really long time now, right? And it's something that I've kind of held to my heart because I, you know, like many, I deal with a lot of uh, these kinds of issues. But I, I'm a firm believer that we are only... I say only, not exclusively, but we are only capable of handling what we've been prepared for, right? Meaning everything that you've been raised on, everything that you've handled up until that point, it's all you've got to face these situations, you know, and everything else is just tackling what we consider the unknown then because you're not aware of the situation and you haven't had to deal with it. You know, so I, I wanted to make that point because you hear a lot of people, they say things like it's okay to not be okay and things like that. Okay, hold, hold on, Dalton. I'm sorry. Wait, hold on. I'm sorry. Um, can, you, can you unmute your mic for a second? Yeah, my bad, because you were echoing why, why his mic was on. Sorry about that. Um, gotcha. Say that last part you said, Dalton. I'm sorry. No, no, you're all right. It's this all, the whole thing's a little goofy. But, um, you, you know, and it's a matter of uh, preparedness, right? You know, everything that you're not prepared for based on, you know, what you know, what you've been capable of up until a certain point, it's all what I would consider the unknown because you've never really had to deal with that. You know, and unfortunately, especially in like a family situation where the rest of your family hasn't had those same experiences it's completely unknown because you it, there's no book on it really about your specific brand right because everyone has like a general idea and they've got their own experiences but what have you experienced that is exactly as i have you know what i mean you know so being prepared for this is it's a difficult topic it's a difficult situation and uh you know through these last couple guests and uh, through what Darian had said in between, it made me want to bring up that point because I feel like a lot of people might need to hear that. Yeah. And the concept of, oh, you're lucky, you know, like, oh, you're lucky you used your whole, that was something that, because I remember that from the conversation that we had with Nick, that first one yeah. when I first got to meet him. And <clears throat> it's something that I actually ended up turning into a poem later on that I have on my Instagram somewhere. But my therapist flat out said to me, I don't know how you get up in the morning. I don't know how you are still alive. And it's like, well, I've tried. Not so great at, you know, ending my life a couple of times there. So I'm just here and I'm trying to make do with what I got. What I am so tired of hearing is the amount of times I will hear, well, you are so lucky that it wasn't worse. You are so lucky that when you were yeah. sexually assaulted, he didn't kill you or your baby. You are so lucky that your child is still alive. Oh, you're so lucky that one of your children out of the three in that pregnancy are still alive. And it's like, yes, I am lucky. However, I still went through it. However, I still experienced that pain. And yet it could have been much worse, but it's still what I went through. And I'm not here talking about 
what the worst could have been. I am here talking about what it was for me, what happened. Don't negate what happened by saying, well, it could have been worse. Yeah, it could have been. A lot of people go through a lot worse, but that doesn't mean that someone's trauma is not, is invalidated because it wasn't as bad. People go through what they go through. There's no fucking rhyme or reason for it. How, how exactly all pain matters. It doesn't yeah. matter if you can see the pain. It could be a physical, non-physical. It could be, it, it's that constant. I forget the actual like metaphor for it, but it, it was something involving a fucking potato. Like, I, I don't know what's with me and potatoes. Potatoes feel pain. Yes. It was like, what, when you boiled your potato, like what, uh, fuck's sake. Basically it's what doesn't kill one person could kill another. What I've gone through in my life, pre-adoption, foster families, everything in my life, that could have killed someone, and it nearly killed me. The sexual assaults, the rapes, the experiences that I've had that I don't talk about because I'm good with my family now, and I will not talk about that publicly. But that could have killed me. And I'm tired of hearing, well, you're lucky it didn't, because I nearly took that luck out of my own hands. Multiple times, I tried to take that luck away, and I tried to kill myself. And the only reason that I am here is either my friend EJ, my friend Fallon, for texting me at the right time. And at the Mm. end of it, the only thing that saved my life was the fact that I was pregnant the last time I tried to kill myself. Wow. I, that's around the time wow. that I found out I was pregnant with my oldest. And after that, wow. I cold turkey quit drinking, cold turkey quit the drugs I was on, cold turkey quit, quit everything. Mm. And, and that was it. Wow. He saved my life. That child wow. and every child I've had after, even the ones who never made it out of me alive, they saved me. And they're the only reasons that I keep living outside of, you know, my partner and stuff like that, but they are the main mm-hmm. reason that I will stay here and I will suffer until my last fucking breath because I'll say this time and time again. I will not bury my fucking children. If they die, wow. I die. And that is it. Wow. I, I can't. But I'm tired of hearing you're so lucky. I, I hate that fucking yeah. thing because it's one, hurts, yeah. one it's, doesn't hurt another. It's minimization, you know, we we still have a lot of people that live in the society that, you know, minimize other people's, you know, issues or situations that they've been in because of some, I mean, I think a lot, I think a lot of it could be just like a sign of uh, like some toxic masculinity, because I mean, that's what I've experienced a lot. I grew up in a Puerto Rican family. And a lot of the old school Puerto Ricans are super traditional, super men are men, men are strong. We don't cry. We're big. We're bad. And it's like this constant thinking that like you can get through anything, just like stuff it down and pretend it doesn't exist. Like we're some Neanderthal or something like that. Like, no, like we can't do that. We got to be emotional. We got to have these conversations with these people. We need to cry. Don't be afraid to cry. All right. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's minimization and the fact that people do that. And I did that for years, you know, and then, yeah. you know, I, I learned, I had to unlearn that behavior that that part of my family taught me. I had to, it was years of just trying to, you know, get that part of me out and gone. And, you know, now that I did, it makes empathizing a lot easier as well. And that's yeah. a beautiful thing yeah. is to be able to empathize. Yeah. So, you know, we can't minimize other people's problems. <laughs> 
Bob, yeah, Paige just put in the same water that hardens the egg softens the potato. That was the exact quote. Thank yeah. you, Paige. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I just want to say one thing before cliche starts talking. I feel bad. Sorry about that, brother. Um, what you said about Hispanic culture, yeah, that is so fucking true, man. My, because my dad yeah. was nineteen fifties, you know, silent generation Puerto Rican. Because again, like I, 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 I sound like a broken record saying this, but yeah, he grew up at a time that that wasn't even a freaking thing to talk about, right? And then my grandparents' time, that that wasn't even a topic, right? He grew up at a time where like it was okay for a five year old to go to the bodega and get a cigarette because it was for the parents. It was just wasn't thought yeah. about. No one thought he could love it. I grew up at a time where, especially like the early 90s, they started to bring awareness, but it wasn't a lot. But we weren't allowed to talk about that shit because my father would be like, oh, so no, that's not true. Like, I, you're fine. Like, yeah. and that's the problem, right? Because our emotions were not allowed. That's yeah. what it was. So I had to cry in silence. Like, there'd be yeah. times in what you said about suicide. Um, Florence, um, I know exactly what you're talking about because for me, 2013, I almost jumped off the roof of my building, believe it or not, and two things happened. My brother texted me saying, hey, I have this youth group service at church. I'd like you to attend. And then my best friend, who's not my wife, Maria, texted me saying, hey, what are you doing tonight? I would like to see you. That's exactly the two things that saved my life. And I jumped off, but I know... I mean, again, I, I believe in the higher power and I really believe, I know that was God trying to get my attention and yeah. if that's what it was, that's what it was and here I am. Um, again, I can honestly say God used my wife to save my life. He used my brother to save my life and I didn't have a good relationship with my older brother so the fact that he used him to have that great relationship I have with him now, like, you know, like, it's like I was saying earlier, you know, yeah, we could talk, we could talk today and then not talk to us for a couple of months and we're just back where we left, right where we left off and at the end of the day, you know, um, I would have never thought, I thought I was going to be this bitch-ass kid living with his, you know, being that basement kid living with his parents. That's what I thought my whole life was going to be because that's really what it was for me before I started, you know, the dating game and shit like that. And, um, you know, I can honestly say, like, my wife's my best friend. Like, I, like everybody told us, oh, it wasn't going to work out. Your relationship's not going to work. You ain't going to have a kid because she's 45. I'm 38, and and we, I don't know, like by the grace of God, um, we were able to have a kid, and you know, miracle child, because they kept saying all oh, complications. There's still baby this, and we just again, like we proved them wrong. Every time someone said things were not gonna work, I felt like we always proved them wrong. And this is testimony for me, you know. And all it takes was, um, again, at the end of the day, um. Uh, my hands off to you guys for saying what you're saying because it's so true, you know. And like you said, Darian, even even my own family was like, you know, you know, it's crazy. I remember one time my mother told me, you know, I never told my wife this, but my mom told me, you know, you're not good enough for her. Meaning, like, I wasn't good enough for my wife because she's. He said that she said I was too like she was too good for me. She's and, and I didn't take that as disrespect. I took that as she was trying to help me see what good I have. Like to not fuck it up because it's so easy to have something good and it's easy to fuck it up. And that's like the only realest thing my mom ever said to me. And I was like, damn, you know what I'm saying? But it's those moments that you appreciate that it's like, oh shit. You know, I so agree. definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, uh, um, for those who just jump in, I know it said request closed, <clears> but <throat> I guess I could make an exception after cliche. Um, 
let's see how it goes. Um, I know Leon had hit me up earlier about possibly jumping in, but cliche, I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna let you say what you gotta say. And I'm sorry about that. I'm so sorry, because I can go off for hours. I think the next live should be a part two, because I, I, I can't just drift away from this. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. This is a subject that needed, it's a much needed subject to talk about. You can, it, no, you can talk about this subject for like a long time. I would definitely be patient. Like I've been through so many different things. I've gone through like maybe 15 attempts myself, wow. and I'm 42. Wow. Um, and like wow. most of my life, like because of females or grief or people passing away and stuff like that. So I know what it's like. Um, I've recently been dealing with depression. Um, I just been like, I'm good at masking mine. So like I don't really let family or friends know that I'm going through it. Um, but yeah, so. Don't don't apologize. That's one thing you don't apologize for. And I had I had one rule I live by when it comes from people telling saying sorry to me, and they say I'm sorry. My question is always: So when your parents gave birth to you, they named you sorry. If that's not what they named you when they gave birth to you, then ain't no need to say I'm sorry, because that's not who you are. Um, and to me, saying I'm sorry sounds like a pessimistic statement too. Maybe I apologize, but not I'm sorry. Um, so yeah. I know I said I had an encouraging one, but you know my phones like they kinda go fast. So I'm gonna like do like that one person did, I'm gonna like combine two into one kind of deal. It's gonna be one that like is a little talking about depression and then it's gonna follow it up with a poem about encouragement. Okay. This one is called Rise. All my life, Satan has tried to take me out. When I was born in the womb, he tried to snatch my breath with a cord, but God provided a substance to bring me out. Then when I was eight, I saw a bobcat, but God did like he did with, no with Daniel, turned his head, and I got away. When I was 11, after a surgery, my lungs got a clot, but God shrunk it away to the size of a dot. Throughout my 20s and 30s, depression hit, and I tried cutting pills, alcohol, jumping, and fighting to snatch my own life. But at the end of the day, but but at the end, just like Lazarus, God spoke to me to arise, and so I did. Rise. Years and years, I felt so low in the dirt that I had to admit myself into a mental hospital hiatus. But as always, God had my spirits rise. So I realized after all this time, God kept telling me to rise up because he had a mission and purpose for my life. And poetry and being a literary missionary was always my destiny. So then you, that, you got that one. Then the encouraging one is stay encouraged. Whenever Satan tries to break your spirit and wreak havoc in your mind, stay encouraged. Stay encouraged when people talk about you lie on you and try to stamp slander your name. Stay encouraged when people try to use you, abuse you, and manipulate you. Stay encouraged when people judge you and tease you based on your age, weight, height, color, social level, or sexual preference. Stay encouraged when you lose a loved one to the grave. Stay encouraged if, you, if people bully you because you have a disability. Stay encouraged if you lose it all and hit rock bottom like Joe. 
but just like God blessed me to survive my attempts because of heartbreak, rejection, being played, abused, and bullied, I want to tell y'all what God told me years ago. Stay encouraged, because just like he did with Joe, God will replenish you double-fold. Home. Ooh. Ah, wow. Ah, brother. Wow. Thank you. Because we need that. We need that. Encouragement is needed. Indeed. Oh, man. Cliche, thank you so much for popping in and just speaking your truth, my friend. It's always, always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. Oh, man. It's really great to meet you, man. You're any, awesome. any last? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Of course. Wow. Any last words before I... Yeah, Andy, you know, I'm any always... Any last words before I... You know I'm always here um, to support you, um, you and the unravel. I'm always there for y'all and Angela um, because I really appreciate that one interview that y'all did. So, but yeah, um, the last thing I want to say is I have a website now, um, which is www.clichespeaksorn. Um, I have a Spotify podcast, um, which is Cliche Speaks On Presents, which I actually, on my podcast, I talked about Asperger's. I've talked about grief. I've talked about um, finding, your finding out your de destination and different other subjects. Um, so y'all can definitely check that out. Um, I do these lives on Instagram Saturday to Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And anybody who can make it to Georgia next Wednesday, um, I'm actually am organizing my first live open mic with um, the DCAP Library. Um, and that's going to be next Wednesday, December 6th at 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. And it's open to rappers, singers, poets, dancers, comedians. And if you're an artist, you can bring your artwork and display it. And my goal with that is because you can't sell nothing there, but it's for people to network and sell their products outside the library. So yeah, and that's everything I'm, work I'm working on. Oh, and I just started, I just got um, on StreamYard or yeah, the whole live stream thing. So I'm doing that too. That's amazing. Thank you so much, yes. Congratulations on the webcam. Congratulations on the open mic, my friend. Congratulations on the open mic, my friend. Thank you. All right. Y'all have a good night, and God bless y'all, and keep your heads up. Oh, man. Whew. Oh. Okay, I think now I can see what's going Okay, it's still giving me that thing. Why is it still doing that? Uh, okay, because it's already nine thirty-four. I know you guys have. Uh, I'm I'm okay to... for I'm okay for a few more. So don't worry. Yeah, yeah, we got. Not, five yeah, but I'm... All right, so, so what I'll say here then is, um, so like we said that we'll we'll do a part two to this, and yeah, I think we should because this yeah. we can't just leave this. Part one, we gotta do a part two. This is crazy. Wow. Yeah, I'll have some ideas. I'll mention you guys about later for some stuff. No doubt, no doubt. Um, 
All right, see, now I can't see the damn list. Why is it doing that? Ugh, God. Well, while you, while you try to figure that out, I did have one thing I wanted to say based on a, yeah, what I've heard from, from, from a couple of different people now is, you know, this is something that I think I discovered about myself when I was back in rehab in January was uh, service work. Service work is a really important thing to me in my life, and it's something that I felt like has really benefited me in a lot of different ways to help bring me up out of a depression and out of a state of mind that – you know, is more detrimental to myself, you know, helping people, you know, just extending your hand down, volunteer work, different stuff like that is a beautiful thing. And I think it could really, really help a lot of different people, no matter what kind of go to a soup kitchen, different things like that. You know, for me, seeing somebody smile and seeing somebody happy because I'm able to help them in some kind of way was just like, it was so life changing to me. Cause when I was in rehab, I was the one who ran the AA meetings in uh, the rehab and it was just like, it was like I was on cloud nine at the end of it because every time that I would do it, people would come in and they would say, I can't, I'm so happy that you're doing this for us. It's amazing. You know, uh, it's a great way for us to get, you know, out what we need to say. And being able to do that for people is something that I just, I, I've always wanted to pursue now since, since experiencing that. So I think that that's another thing that people could do to maybe help themselves a little bit is do some service work. Maybe that could be something that could really help you out in some way. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely agree. Because one of the things I've noticed a lot is with depression, especially, um, one of the biggest feelings of depression is not only feeling reserved, but feeling almost invisible. Like nothing you do matters, nothing about you matters, you know, so you feel invisible, right? One of the highest recommendations that I've ever gotten and have ever been well enough off to give to someone else is if you feel invisible help someone else right because yes it, it starts changing the world starts with changing one life two lives three lives right because you're not changing the world all at once nobody is that capable and will never quite see that because there's no snap of your fingers and everyone's better but if you can change the world for one person, that is their whole world you're changing by helping them that one day, that two days. Yep. You know, you see it all the time. You just give a little extra time to someone who needs it more than you do, a little extra money to someone who needs it more than you do, and then they have enough. You know, sometimes it's enough to get them off the streets, even if it's just for a night, but that changed their whole world, and they will never stop thinking about that one time you helped them. No, and I completely agree. Agreed. Like, I know a lot of people be like, oh, that's a very selfish thing to do if you're only doing it to make you feel better. But there's no such, there is no such thing as a selfless act. You know, one of the main things that I do to kind of help myself and make myself feel better is when I go out, I'm very big on, I like to tell people that they're beautiful. Anyone who knows me knows that I, at some point or another, have called them beautiful or I've complimented, don't even give me that face Everybody. right now. Don't even give me that face. I will typically try to compliment something specific about them. But there's a lot of service on stimulus. Okay. So one, one thing that I've noticed a lot. How many times do you think that your grandmother has been told that she is beautiful at the age she is now? Or your grandfather? Or your father? Or your mother? So one thing that I typically just do that it makes me feel good and I remember one specific incident is we were at the beach and there was this woman had to be 
just about. And she was just living her dream, living her life on the beach, just having a good time. And she had the most beautiful smile I think I'd ever seen. And the way that she looked at her husband, the way that he looked at her, it was it was a beautiful moment for me to see. And I really, I really loved that. And I just remember as we were walking past her, I looked right in her face and I went, you are so beautiful. And she was like, looking around like, you're not talking to me. It's like, yes, I'm talking to you. And that's when it really hit me. Like, when was the last time she was called beautiful? You know, when do you think to call the old man sitting down beautiful? Someone that you wouldn't normally think to be like, because everyone looks at, you know, the pretty girls in the boots or, you know, the really hot guys with all the tattoos or like, yeah, they're beautiful. They all, they're gorgeous. However, they don't, I mean, it's one of those things, like, I just find everyone beautiful. I think everyone has something about them that is unique about them. I, I just like telling people that they're beautiful. And especially people that I feel probably don't hear it as much because I don't hear it as much. My partner tells me all the time. My friends will tell me all the time. But outside of a few dirty dogs outside the mall who don't know how to act... You know, when's the last time someone just came up to you, a stranger, and just genuinely, outside of trying to fuck you, was just like, wow, you are beautiful, I hope you have a good day. And that's it, you know? It's not they're looking for something from you. They're giving you something. And that makes them feel good, too. You know, I'm I'm tired of looking online and logging on and seeing people being like, oh, this is a terrible person. Oh, you know, I don't like this person because their nose. I don't like this person because their face. This person's fake because of this. I'm so fucking sick and tired of seeing negativity that it's like, let's just remove it. Exactly. Compliments yeah. about expectations are everything. You know, and think about in your relationships, too. When's the last time that you told your partner that they were beautiful or you liked the way that their legs yeah. looked or you liked the way that they felt or you gave them a background without it ending in an accidental pregnancy, you know, stuff like that. You know, yeah. when was the last time that you touched yeah. your partner stuff? The last time you touched your partner, especially for men here. Yeah. Without listen, every day. someone to hop on your dick. Yeah. Li listen, every day, there's never a day I don't tell my wife I love her. There's never a day I don't tell my wife that you're beautiful. There's never a day I don't fucking compliment my wife and be like, babe, have a good day. I love you. Even during the day, I'm like, hey, babe, I miss you. Even though I know I'm going to see her at home and say, hey, babe, how's your day? Just checking up on you. There's never a fucking day I don't do that. Even with my son, this is the only child I have. And, and, mm -hmm. and there's never a day I don't kiss him on the cheek or kiss him on the forehead and tell him I love him. There's never a day. You know why? Because even though I knew my parents loved me, but there was that tough love, so no one really expressed affectionate love like that. So I try to be different from that because I know what it's like to be that ruthless, tough love. And, and, and I try to be as affectionate as possible. Is it easy? No, because I'm a man. You know, us men, we're, you know, we're a stubborn. We're not all up there sometimes. But at the end of the day, there's never a day I don't tell my wife I love her or I tell my son I don't love her because let me tell you something. I only get one shot of this in my life. That's how I see it. I get one shot. Tomorrow's not fucking promised. And I can go to sleep tonight and I'll wake up tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But I could die knowing that I've always told my wife I loved her. I always tell my son I love him. And that's all there is to it. And a little bit of advice for the parents, too. And it's something that I've noticed, too, is you can tell someone that they're beautiful. You can tell someone that they're pretty. You can tell your partner, your child, whatever. You know what really makes a difference? 
complimenting the parts of their body that you wouldn't normally compliment. I tell my son just yeah. the other day, yes. I looked at him and I noticed he's got these little freckles like I do right under his eyes. He's got the most beautiful, like, like hazel greenish eyes. He's gorgeous eyes. The other one has very bright blue eyes. And I just looked and went, you know what, buddy? He goes, what? And I'm like, I love the freckles right here on your face because I know mommy you tell me that I'm like I know or he'll be saying like you know your shoulder just feels really soft I love your shoulders I, I love the way that you look I love the way that you hold my hand I love the way that you sing in the car I love the way that you talk to yourself while you're going to the bathroom you know little things it's it's the little things that you don't notice until they stop happening like because for a while my son stopped singing completely he was going through mm. a real rough patch real rough patch with co-parenting and there was so much going on that we weren't focusing on our son for a little while because we were wow. focusing on all the shit that was going on everything in our own personal lives trying to figure things out together so we had him in therapy and it it hit me out of nowhere and i'm like what are we doing for this kid so mm. i made a point to sit down with him and i said you know i really love when you sing i miss i miss when you sing and i make a point that yes Sometimes my son sings so goddamn much. And sometimes at 7 o'clock in the morning, I am not really in the mood to hear Mariana's Trench for three hours on a loop. I don't want to hear Crazy Train on a loop because he only knows one part of it. Wow. But I don't tell him to stop. Amen. I, um, okay, it might be really, but you know what? Well, keep it going. I um mm -hmm. I definitely um I like that. Um I try to uh, I try to tell my partner who's sitting right here um that they do a lot for me as well. Um you know my uh, my chalky milk, you know you take the pain away. You're the greatest thing I've ever had in my entire life. I'd love you chalky milk. You know, it's, I was gonna say because I thought the other day you mentioned in, in the thing, she just like, with chalky milk, dog. This is this is the greatest thing in my life. <laughs> Preach, dude. My wife steals this from school. She works at a school. She steals these <laughs> shits and gives me a whole bunch of them. <laughs> oh, I love your wife. She is amazing. By the way, hold on. Hold on. Oh dude, my god. god. The only thing better than that, dude, is banana bread at fucking work, dude. I'm just saying. When banana start going bread at fucking work. Banana, Ooh, banana nut muffin is my favorite. I'm what do you guys remember dog? as a kid? What do you guys remember as a kid from your parent that really stuck in a good way? In a good way. My mom told me I matter. What was that mm. like? I um. So when I so when I started experiencing like actual like bouts of depression, paranoia, anxiety, and stuff like that, I was young. I think I was probably like nine when I really started experiencing depression, like as a whole thing. And um, the first thing that really started bothering me a lot was I used to have these nightmares, like these really strong nightmares that my mom was going to take me while I'm asleep to an adoption agency and put me up for adoption. And I used to have nightmares about this all the time. And I used to not want to go to bed. And I would tell her that you're going to you're going to take me away. You don't love me. You don't want me around, all that kind of stuff. And um, she just sat me down the one day and she was like, Darian, 
I love you. You matter. You're important to me. And um, that, that stuck with me forever. That's that's just that stuck with me forever, wow. man. That's you know, it was like that little thing that just sticks in my mind, you know. So wow. yeah, mine that, wasn't until I was things. much older. Mine wasn't until I was yeah. much older because my childhood was rough. It was a very yeah. rough childhood. Mm. I I remember, and it's one thing to remember too as a parent is that. I, as a child who experienced a lot of shit, I don't remember any of the good moments. They're very far and few between. I remember every hurtful thing I have ever been told as a child. I remember all of that. But what I do remember was, because I, I don't give out too much information about it because obviously I don't really talk about my ex all, all that that much for very various le uh, legal reasons as well. Um, but one of the things that I remember when I moved back in with my mother, when I was pregnant with um, my son, Alex, and I had Travis at that point, it was about a year, almost two. And we were dealing with all the, the stress of me leaving from a uh, horrible, horrible experience that was going on. And I just remember after a certain incident, my dad turning to me and saying, we raised you to be so independent. You don't have to rely on anybody. And I proved that time and time again, because yes, I was raised independent because I had to be. I had to learn how to be because I couldn't rely on anyone that I had in that house, not my brother, no one else. I was, my, I was alone for a very long time in my childhood, my entire childhood, really. And... Just my dad taking that moment. And, I mean, I can count on both hands how many times my parents, as when I was a kid, from what I remember at least, saying that they were proud of me. And I've gotten that a lot more now as an adult. My, I'm very close with my mother now. I'm, we t pretty much text every day. We are very, very close, and she's very much more understanding about all that. And so is my father on a, on a different He's still an older gentleman, so it's a little harder with some things, but he is learning. And I hear it a lot more now. My mom will tell me it's okay to cry. You know, sometimes you just need that good cry. Sometimes, you know, you're doing a great job as a parent. You're doing this. And hearing that means more to me than anything that she could have said to me as a kid. Like, I, I, I do wish I had more of a childhood that wasn't fear and survival and not having a body that belonged to me um, mm. because it didn't. And I only just got my body back. Uh, but I, I can't remember anything really like that from my childhood. Like the good things I remember laying my head mm. on my mom's knee once while we were sitting out by the bonfire and her, cause she wasn't a huggy person. She didn't like being touched, which I'm the same way with certain things, but her just, just touching my hair and just, just rubbing it. I remember it was like oh, no. a three-minute-long thing, but I don't. Not, not until I was an adult did things start getting better, and I mean, like within the last couple of years. Yeah, um, I'll I'll just make mine quick. The only thing great memory I have in my childhood is the fact that my dad used to always write. He was always writing. And that's what inspired me to write. I was writing because he was writing, but I didn't know what the fuck he was writing. 
But the biggest, greatest gift I've ever got from all that is the fact that after he died and my mom, we was decluttering her apartment a little bit to move into a temporary apartment just to move back to the renovation, long story short. We was going through some stuff and my mom pretty much gave me all of my father's writings, poetry, diaries, everything that my dad ever had. He gave it to me. She said, I know you would appreciate this. I know how much you love that. So here you go. And I took that as, you know, I, if that was the greatest gift life could ever give me is now I get to know who my dad used to be because he was very private. Everything was on a piece of paper or everything was always put away. So I get to read those things now. And, and I realized after reading some of the stuff, he was a very hurt man, like yeah. very, very hurt. And in a way, it's like, wait a second, me and him are not that different because yeah. he's the youngest and I'm also the youngest of my family too. So it's so crazy to me to think like, damn, like it's like I never got to have those conversations with him, but now I understand he didn't have a father growing up. I get it. So it's like, you know what? Now I get to have that bond with him that way. And then I get to have that bond with that way with um with my son now as he gets older because just like my son just like me when i was five you know i was speech delayed too so it was just like i i get it i sympathize i was like no one no work because he's gonna get through this i got through he's gonna get through this but that's all i'm gonna say about that um magnus uh thank you for being patient with us um what are your thoughts i have too many um <laughs> That just comes with generalized anxiety, though. Um, so, about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, during this whole discussion, I've been trying to like think of like how I would introduce like my take on how I've handled depression. And the thing to know is that it's not ever just depression. <laughs> I am a laundry list of diagnoses. <laughs> Mood. Um, and one thing that just kept replaying in my mind as I was thinking was growing up neurodivergent always came with trauma uh, because of growing up in a world without accommodations. I was always made to feel other, different. Mm -hmm. And that wears a child down. Um, and so, dealing with that in like school and outside of the home i never really got that escape either because i have next to no relationship with my mom um i feel estranged from my siblings except for my youngest one and even that relationship took time to you know improve um because with my little sister you know she stole my spot as the baby um, <laughs> it took me a very long time to get over that. Um, but yeah, so I think I'm in a better place now than I was a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, so on and so forth. I think I have a better handle now because I actually have a support system and I don't mm. have to live in survival mode. Um, and no one tells you that healing is hard. <laughs> healing comes with so much grief. It comes. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, I did want to go ahead and uh, share a piece or two just, you know, so that you can get a bit more of, of a better look into my psyche and how I handle like mental health. 
Um, so this first piece I have up is called Sun Poisoning. Surrounded by those who feel like sunshine, happiness tittering on every edge and every curve and every spot of skin, every curbside ablaze, your mindset brand new. You're melting, my dear, dripping on the summer beaten concrete and there's nowhere to hide, nowhere to run from the wreckage. You bleed through the streets like a strawberry dipped ice cream cone left behind by childhood memories. They say you should stay in the sun more often, that you should feel happiness pour from your pores in any given moment, so long as you stay out of the shadows. But your skin blisters and your skin screams for relief for a shaded alleyway that's nowhere to be seen. Am I allergic to happiness? Thank you. Oh, I'm you, Magnesh. Like, you always find a way to completely, like, sum up everything I've ever felt in my entire life, but make it sound incredible. Oh, hold up. I'm always Carl, firmly I'm impressed by your work. He had a poetry <laughs> gadget once again. Yes. He gets gone oh really God. easily. That's all I'm saying, man. <laughs> she said allergic to happiness. That is what... No, I am having a, or a poetry gasm right now. <laughs> but it's like, oh, sh I've never heard that kind of a sentence. That is crazy. Where did, where did that came from? Like, allergic to happiness. Because you know what's funny? I took that as, I think, even though as good as this is, it feels too good for this to be true. So I'd rather just not have it at all. Like, was that where you were going with that? Because that is, that's deep. I, that's making me want to write a piece called that now because of this. I mean, Holy have shit. at it. Feel free to take it as a title. Um, I wrote that during a call center job that I worked because we had like no productivity at all. So I would just type away at my computer with all these poems. Mm. And I don't know. I just, I was disappointed with where I was in life. Like, I was just like, is this as good as it gets? Because if it wow. is, I deserve better. Mm. But do I deserve better? Wow. Because no, I struggle a lot with low self-esteem. Like, even though I don't look like the kind of guy or whatever, but I struggle a whole lot with self-esteem. And my wife has to smack me up sometimes. Um, Relate. I get, you know smacked, what I get smacked up a lot for that one. <laughs> you know what it is? You know, it's because my whole life I was always been told, oh, because you don't know, because I was diagnosed with ADHD, but I was also diagnosed with schizotypal personality disorder. So I was on medication and all this other stuff. I've been to a psychiatric therapy. I've been to a psychiatric hospital. I, 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 uh, 2003, I'll never forget that. And it, that even that one week that I was there changed my whole perspective of life. But the point is, like, that being put down or being shut down by people when they, 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 it's like they always have to have the last fucking word type of thing. And it's like, 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 even though I'm not in that time of my life anymore, but I still struggle with that. Like, let's say for some reason he said, hey, this is a good job, but why didn't you try this way? Even though there's, it's just constructive criticism, but it's like inside of me, it puts me down because my thing. I mean, like what I'm doing is not good enough, even though they're just trying to give me a strategy. But my soul takes that as like, 
oh, nothing I do is good enough kind of thing. And I let that get to me, even at work. <laughs> and sometimes my wife has to kind of like pick me up, which I, I love her for that. But my babe, because uh, she's never really been through like mental health like that, like kind of like how we have. Um, do, I mean, other than postpartum, but I think everybody goes through that when you go through pregnancy, you know, after you have a child and all that stuff. But it's like she has a little understanding, but not like a whole general consensus of it until now because my son, um, he's he's on the um autistic autistic spectrum. So they just they just say that they're just saying that because of the um. You know, because he's beast today. That's the reason why they're saying that. But and then he does little things here and there. But I, I think personally, he has ADHD. That's what I think personally because he's so hyper. But point is that whole, like I try to make a point, I get shut down. Or if I say something, oh no, okay, that's cool, but oh, you don't really know. You're never gonna understand. Like I, I puts me down, and that's yeah. why I struggle a lot. A lot of verbal abuse, like, this is what it is. This is what I went through. And I try my best not to be like that with my kid because I know what that could feel like. I know how much thing in your soul that could put you through. And it's like, I'm 38 now. I'm still dealing with it. Even though it was a long time ago, I'm still dealing with it. I still I hear God telling me, okay, I need you to kind of, like, put that on the cross type of thing on my Lord. But I don't know how to let go of shit like that because it's hard. Yeah. You know, or if I react a certain way, I don't mean to react like that. There's some things legit I cannot control. And it's just a whole mental health thing. I'm not using it as an excuse. It's just the reality. But I'm I'm aware that mm -hmm. things need to change, but the process is difficult and I'm okay with admitting that. Yeah. You know, um, but what you said, um, wow. That that is that is wow. I uh, just wanted to ask, would I be able to read, like, two more pieces? That's All fine. Right. That's fine. Perfect. Uh, this next piece I have lined up is Breakfast Blues. Um, it explores uh, my eating disorder. Mm. Um, <clears throat> it's the first day of my period, and I just want breakfast. Egg salad, an easy task, but I fucked up. I undercooked the eggs, and I don't know how to peel soft-boiled eggs, and I don't know if this is cooked enough, safe enough to eat. I fucked up. I tossed the eggs in the trash after trying one. Cereal, an even easier task. There's no milk, and I can't find clean spoons. I tell myself to breathe easy. I tell myself to find another thing to eat. Chicken salad, an easy task. But I found a bug on the counter when clearing space, and I give up. I leave the kitchen, still empty, still hungry, skin crawling, stomach churning. I tell myself not to throw up. There's not much left to give the toilet. Breakfast, an easy task, but I fucked up. So I eat a banana, drink a small mason jar of water, and cry about how hungry I still am, and talk myself out of spending money, ordering out again, and battle with my cooking anxiety, my food anxiety. I'm on my period, and I just wanted fucking breakfast. Ooh. Wow. Love that. Yeah. We're doing that shit now. <coughs> Sorry. You're good. <laughs> Gotta stop smoking, Andy. Gotta stop smoking. <laughs> 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 I 
But yeah, um, with writing this piece, I never really talk about my struggles with eating uh, just because it's fluctuated my whole life. I would binge eat and then I would just not eat and then I would binge and purge. I would just float about. Um, I have a really unhealthy relationship with food and I think that's just because partly in the way that my mom raised me in the way of eating. It's just like, here, let me give you this large ass plate piled with food and then call you fat for eating it. Wow. Wow. You know, what's crazy. And, and I'm happy. You, um, thank you for sharing that with, with us. Um, because I struggle with eating too. Um, uh, gluttony is like my biggest thing that I struggle with. Again, I don't look like that kind of person, but I do. Um, cause I don't eat the way I'm supposed to. I eat a lot of junk. Um, and then when I do eat right, I still relapse back and forth, eating, eating, eating. The thing is I eat because I'm depressed. I eat because I'm bored. I don't always eat because I'm hungry. That's just the reality. The fact that in Spanish, gordo means um, fat, whatever. And that and was that's my like nickname. a nickname that runs rampant for kids. And I've hated it. Yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I was called it, it when I was growing up. <laughs> right. And, and it was like, hey, Gordo, man, I got, but I know it wasn't malice. But like when I look back now, it's like I still felt that part of me like, damn, but is that my, that's that part of my name? Is that part of my life? Am I really fat? Like, yeah, but like you know, look at it that, that way. They, were, they dumped you down to like, hey, fatty, come here. How are you supposed to yeah. take that? Exactly. And I didn't understand my emotions. I still don't understand some aspects of my emotions. Even to this day, I still struggle with that. And it's like, it's hard, you know? So I don't know the difference between someone giving me a compliment or someone's being critical or someone's attacking me. I can't tell the difference sometimes. And yeah. I feel bad when I react a certain way. But it's like, dude, please understand it's not intentional. It's just what it is. But it's just, I did go through a lot of verbal abuse growing up. I did go, I was bullied. I've been called i've been called a faggot like i'm sorry to say that word but i've been called that in school like because i was different you know and it's just that shit it, it, it stings you it stings you you know and um it's my, just uh yeah my, my issue my issue is always never be not 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 being able to differentiate between when somebody's joking or not I automatically assume everybody has malice in their heart towards the things that they're saying to me, whether they're joking or not. If somebody says something to me and it, I can tell it was meant to come as a joke when they say it, like I, I get that, but still in my heart, I'm like, nah, but they're right. So like, fuck it, you know? So that's always been like my major issue. And then I wear that shit on my sleeve, like a motherfucker, like all the time. I have no self-esteem whatsoever. I'm fat as shit right now. You know, like I gained so much weight because, and I beat myself up on it and it gets worse, you know, because now I have a serious binge eating issue where like, I won't eat all day or something like that. And then like at night, Ooh. I probably consume like 3000 calories worth of food, shit yep. tons of soda and sugary foods. It's like shit that I should yeah. be consuming when like, Two and a half years ago, three years ago, I was vegan. I ate fresh, super good food. I felt better than I ever did in my life. I was healthy. I was at a good weight. I was happy. And it, it, it just like, I don't know what the fuck happened. I, I don't know. You know, I fell you know into my addiction. Is. I fell into, you know, my depression and, you know, drinking so heavily. And then when I got out of rehab back in January, I replaced everything with just sugar and food yeah. that just tastes appealing to me. And it's been hard to yeah. unlearn that behavior and go mm. on a better path. And now look at me. Yeah. I have to go to a freaking 
GI specialist and I might have ulcerative colitis and shit like that. So now I've really got to change my freaking eating habits. Hey, hey, yeah, yeah. That, that's like, it was something I mentioned a lot earlier on in the stream is that exact thing is, you know, it, it doesn't quite close enough border an eating disorder necessarily, but I've noticed uh, three major things involving eating being almost a symptom of depression, right? There's the not eating. Like, I have days, especially in the winter, where I come home and I just don't feel like eating. I know I'm hungry. I know I want to eat. I just don't feel like eating, so I don't. You know, then there's the eating bad. Especially when you're in those places, you fill yourself with this crap, right? You know, you order from fast food. You stop on the way home because it's quick. It's convenient. Yeah. And it's, it's that uh, immediate dopamine because it's one of the few conveniences we have going on is we can just stop and pick up something nasty because it's cheaper than making a meal sometimes. Yep. You know, and Come then the, the last part of it is the overeating where you go all day because you're at work yeah. or you've got other stuff going on. You go all day without eating and then you get home and you gorge yourself to the point where you feel like you're going to pop. You're going to throw up. And I consider that self-harm because although it's slow burn, it is long-term effect, you know? And, yeah. And I've had eating mm. disorders since I was a kid, and a lot of it was learned <laughs> because I was fat-chained as an 88-pound kid. I was wow. just about 80-something pounds when I moved in with him, and I was 20-something. I just had two babies, and I was 80-something pounds. I think the, I was 80, about 89 pounds, and I was severely underweight. And I still felt like I was fat. I still felt like I was too big because my entire life I'd been in multiple sports, especially karate. And I remember, and I don't blame my parents for it because different time periods, different time periods, growing up, different images on weight, stuff like that. But I remember walking in front of my parents and my mom making a comment or my father making a comment about well, when you stop working out, because I had to take a break from karate, I think I got injured or something with my grades or something was up with it. So I had to take a break from going, and I was going almost every single day of the week at that point. And I just remember hearing, you know, when you stop working out, you get a fat ass. And at that point, as a child, that is horrifying because you don't want to have a fat anything. You know, you want to be, you know, you feel like you're more loved when you're thinner as a child because you're not going to get picked on even though I look like fucking Junie B. Jones as a kid and he always laughs because some pictures I look like Eric goddamn Foreman which regardless you know but I, I got fat shamed so much and it, and it wasn't necessarily my parents fault it was just a different time period that they grew up in regarding weight but as I got older that stuff stuck with me hearing comments of when I would go to try on a bathing suit now because I did hundreds of push-ups a night for my karate stuff I was uh, an active fighter I was a fucking machine at that point I was fit as hell I had broader shoulders and I've always had slightly broader shoulders and hearing that bathing suit won't look good on you because of your shoulders. I am 26 fucking years old, and that comment from when I was like 11 to 13 still sticks with me, and it's why I don't wear certain outfits. I am terrified of the dark purple stretch marks on my legs from having two children gaining almost up to 200 pounds there for a little while, then dropping 50 pounds in a couple of months because I was so scared. I won't wear anything other than tights. 
on my legs. I refuse to go bare-legged. I refuse to to show that side of me, to give anyone any reason to make fun of my body any more than I already do. Nobody will hate my body more than I hate my body. I do not find mm. myself beautiful. I do not find myself pretty. I don't even really like the way I look at all. I can't think of a single thing about my body, my anything, that I actually like at all. I have criticized wow. every part of me. I have a severe eating disorder, and I struggle so badly with it that I will make excuses all day as to why I didn't eat. Oh, the kids ran me crazy. Oh, I just didn't get a chance to. Oh, and really all it is is I went in the kitchen, I looked around, and I couldn't find anything that I wanted to eat that I even saw worth it. And then I remember, oh, last night we had something. We had Last night I ate pizza. Last night was 10 hours ago. Yeah. I ate pizza last night, so I'm not going to eat for the rest of the day. I have my period right now, which I don't care, TMI, shove it. You know, I have my period right now, so I'm bloated. I'm having a lot of cravings, and I'm having a lot of swelling and pain. And right now, all I can think of is I can't wait to finish this magazine issue that I'm working on so I can go back to the gym to get rid of my stomach. Because I am so ingrained that when I sit down, I can't look down at my body. When I stand up and put an outfit on, I can't look down at my body. I have to look straight ahead. Because if I look down, I'm going to take off my clothes and I'm back to sweaters. I can't. Yeah. I, I hate. You know, and like yeah. I've seen so many people like, oh, you're so confident when you go to the poetry stuff. You wear all these crazy outfits and you always look so nice. And it's like if you think that I don't look at every single picture of me taken from somebody else that I didn't approve and I'm not verbally berating myself whether it was a hair out of place, whether it's the way my stomach looked in that one picture, the way my knee might have bent funny, though if did you see a pimple on my face? Can you see my fucking pores? Can you see my fupa? Can you see what can you see on my body? Because there's nothing that you can see. You just see me. You see me smiling. You see yeah. me reading. And I see something that I tried to kill. Wow. That's that's why I hate seeing pictures of myself. When I saw the couple yeah. of pictures of myself that were taken at um uh in Emmaus that whatever that was like King a month coffee. ago or whatever the hell it was King I coffee. feel like I looked like yeah I feel like I looked like I was wearing a turtle shell like I look at those pictures and I'm like oh my god I'm so fucking round I'm so I'm so like I look like I am shaped like a freaking turtle and it's like it, it bothers me I overthink it all the freaking time and I know what I need mm. to do to change that behavior to become in better shape and care about my body a little more and then love myself a little more as well. But damn, when I look in the mirror, I lose all motivation. I'm kind of just like, fuck it. Like it's not worth it. Yeah. You know, it's funny with me, like I'm a large, but I'll wear an extra large because I hate the way my stomach looks. Like mm -hmm. you can see, yeah. so I wear an extra large. So then I wear double X bigger than my size. It's just, it's a whole self-conscious thing that I have. Like when I first had sex with my wife, I was a little embarrassed. I said, babe, you don't have, I don't like the way my body looks. She didn't care. She didn't, I just, I'm just trying to be with you. I'm not really concerned about everything else. I was like, okay, fine, but just understand. I have all this hair, or I have this, or I have that. I'm embarrassed. Even to this day, I'm still embarrassed of the way I look. Like I, I'm like, I look like a freaking pillow. Like, like, like I don't know. That's weird. weird. Pillows are Flavish. soft. I like to cuddle pillows. <laughs> Same. It's a very softy situation. We <laughs> But uh, Magnus, uh, are you still there? 
Yes, I'm still here. Hi. Uh, um, we, yeah. I, I, all right, because I know it's already. Uh, we're gonna want to end this soon, but um, do you say you wanted to read one more piece? I did want to read one more piece, but before I do that, one sum up for like just everything we've talked about. One thing I aim for instead of like body positivity is um, body neutrality. Just mm. accepting your body as the vessel that it is. It is keeping you upright. It feeds you when you feed it. <laughs> it's just like looking at it as like a as a neutral thing. I think that helps mm. in getting past some body insecurities, but that's something to work towards. I completely agree. God damn, you're smart. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> or, yeah. That's just because I went through trauma. Um, <laughs> but the last piece I wanted to read for you guys, um, I kept going back and forth about it. I was like, do I want to read about my chronic pain or do I want to read about my suicide attempt? So I'm going to leave it to you guys. Which do you guys want to hear? I feel like suicide uh, we'll probably we'll makes more sense. One, okay. All right, one or two. Just pick a number. I don't remember. I, I, I don't remember what 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 were the, what were the. I don't. Ah. One this, will I, be. I think, I think I think suicide attempt is more on topic, so I think that would probably be yes. the better one to go with. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So with that, uh, <laughs> this piece is Psalms and Qualms. <laughs> I wrote letters to God to confess sins that never belonged to me. To confess sins that she planted in my mind's voice. Why was I the suitcase brimmed with her traumas? Packed in a hushed rush to hold, fold, keep untold. But when I try to unpack mine, she was so cold, so sold on scold, she slapped my sass with her slipper sole. I wrote letters to God for divine intervention. Begging for the torture to end, she only paid attention to me to cast me in the role of punching bag. To remind me that I'm a burden to remind me that I'm not wanted. I was ready to return to sender, ready to return to a home that must be better than my own. I was ready to be untethered, to commit this unholy act, to surrender, to meet his holy skies. I wrote letters to God that became letters to myself. Why did he neglect my cries for help? He was nothing more than an echo chamber. So the last letter to God that I wrote was a farewell and see you soon, was a last confession of the sins I did commit, was another letter unsent, under my phone and pill bottles, switched to do not disturb the dead. Mm. He left me to make my own choices, but divine intervention must exist after all. Divine intervention is equivalent exchange, as a bird banged into my window, startled me out of overdose slumber, I did not succeed in my attempt. He wasn't ready for me to come back home. I fucking love you. Powerful. Oh. I think I've heard yeah. you. I think I've heard you do that, that one. Yeah, it's, yeah, did, it's did, so it's so amazing. Yeah. I love it so much. Did you read that open mic? I think I did. Yeah, it's one of my popular pieces, so I read it often. Okay, I love that. It sounds piece. a lot better without you know. Twist his dick. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot better without hockey fans in the background. Yeah. Oh yes. my god. Twist this dick. Yeah. I'll never forget that. Uh, yes, I I love that. Piece. I love the I love the do not disturb the deadline. That yes. makes me yes. so good. Yeah. Like oh fuck. Yeah, that is one of the lines that I want I on my been, body. 
So I, I, I think, I, Andy, when we did that interview last week, I think we talked about this a little bit as well in that we're like, so I do write poetry, but I don't write poetry at like the speeds that other people do, like at all. I write them like slowly because I'm super hard on myself. Like I want them to be written in very specific ways and it has to be this one way. And if it's not yeah. how I want it to be, I just crumple it up and I'm like, no. And I throw it out and I've been trying to write this one piece for like three weeks now and I just can't get it the way that I want to get it. And I wish that I could oh, like come up with some of the lines that I hear in. other people come up with. I'm like, damn, I wish I could. Why well, I think it's something like that for this? No, like it's. Oh my god! And I love yeah, hearing Magnus you all perform. Is filled with those. Magnus is yes. probably one of the greatest performers and poets I have ever met in my entire life. I want to be them when I grow up. And I, I, I mean that with all my heart. I, I, when I first met Magnus, I was so intimidated by them because I desperately wanted to be their friend because I thought that they had this, you know, I, I saw their energy. I saw everything that they had to offer and it, it really just, they warmed my heart. They were, and, and I'll always call Magnus a sunbeam because Magnus was the sunbeam that came down when everything was so fucked up, when everything was dark, when I was at the worst of my life last year and I got to meet Magnus. And that fucking, like, every time I hear them speak or we have our conversations or I'm having a mental fucking breakdown or Magnus is having a mental fucking breakdown. We get to just mind meld for a couple minutes. And just every time I see them, every word out of their mouth, every creative new poem that they come up with, it is a testament to my fucking soul. They are reading my soul and bringing these words. And it really is just... They are, I just, I fucking love them so much, and I just mm, love, love. I'm not crying, yeah, you are. <laughs> I'm having moments. Yeah, Magnus is an incredible yeah, writer and one of our favorite people by all means, but like Florence said, Magnus is full of those lines. In every one of their pieces, there's always a few lines for everyone and you hear it all around the room when they read, is that same feeling where everyone just kind of stops, and you hear a snap, or someone go, mmm, or, you know, you, you get that feeling, because everybody resonates with one of their lines, because they have those hard-hitting lines that it, it mm -hmm. shocks the system when you're, you know, sitting there, and you're hearing, and you're relating to it, and then that line hits, and then that's it. The yeah, Magnus is where it calls people out for yeah. for real. It makes you realize some shit about yourself, and you're like, "Oh fuck, this is me." You you feel really seen with Magnus's work. I try. Thank you. <laughs> Until you read that one about that one word that you taught us, so you know. <laughs> That's not part of this theme, okay? <laughs> mm. No, so um. So it's already been two hours and 19 minutes. So I okay. guess we're going to just end it here. Um, I did want to read something before we go, if that's okay with do you it. guys. Yeah. Yeah. I did have one announcement before we shut off as well. So, Okay. All right. So I wrote this back in 2020, and it's called Second Thoughts But Wonder. And this is a piece about a long time ago. Um, all right. No, I just can't. I couldn't leave you that note. Don't think you would have understood anyway. 
even if I tr even if I tie that blanket around my neck, how would I even know if you cared? I would be dead. There's no way for me to see. Leaving a note is cliche. I would have to ramble for hours about why I'm writing this. To you did all you could. To you did your best, and it wasn't working out. Nonsense. I'll save everyone the trouble. This would be the easiest way out. You don't look like you care. You'll cry for minutes and not hours. You'll move on and cry for someone else instead. You'll forget I even existed until someone else dies again. For many years on a Friday night, locking myself in this bedroom, living with my parents, no shoulder to cry on, not a hand to hold, not an arm to grab, not even lips to kiss. Holding my pillow like a five-year-old child, I'm crying like an infant as if someone stole my blanket. Crying my eyes out, hoping anyone would care. Maybe someone would have the decency to want to check up on me without urgency. Probably just because they wanted to be friendly and not feeling like a burden with sympathy. And that's that piece. Love it, man. Love it. I got a mouthful of peanut butter, but that's fucking amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Good shit. Good shit. Good shit. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, so we definitely um, will be doing a part two to this to give um yes. a lot more people more chances to you know, now that we gone kinda gone like a fucking cunt. Jesus. Now that we have gotten a good idea of how we're gonna be Yes. Going about this, we have better ways that we can uh, go on with this in, in the future, and yeah. I definitely we'll think this is that. something that deserves a part two because, yeah, I am inspired by so many people, by every single person yeah. who spoke today, and I, mm -hmm. I see all of you. I hear you. I see you. You are. I'm just glad you're here, and yes, that's the best way too. I can sum it up. Is I am so glad that you are here and able to share your story with us because, you know, like Andy always says, and it's something that he says that always inspires me, and I have taken it to such heart since I've met him, is your story deserves to be heard. We all have a story. And, you know, we as poets, we write our stories down. We make them pretty with little words, but how often, when's the last time anyone's ever really asked you, like, what happened to you? You know, we get the jokes like, who hurt you? And it's like, boy, if you know, you know, but we don't ever get to talk about what happened to us, why we are doing this, why we are here, why are we even still alive? We don't get to talk about the day-to-day -day pain because it's something mm -hmm. that our neighbor actually says is, well, I'm fine. I mean, I could complain, but who would listen? And that's exactly it. We would listen. All of our DMs are open. If you want to just yes. send us a voice note, because uh, I don't do calls very well. I get very anxious with phone calls. So if you just send me 80 different voice messages, I will respond eventually after hearing them. I would rather listen to 80 voice messages than never hear from you, ever. You know, that's I something that Dalton says, too. You know, just reach out to us. I've met a lot of great friends on here. Yeah. Yeah, there's been no catfish not everywhere. Yeah, there's been no catfish everywhere, man. Because uh, my wife watches catfish a lot, so <laughs> the, the show. Yeah, what you I'm see like, is what you okay. get. Yeah, yeah I, exactly. I just wanted to much. add. Sorry, go ahead. Go on. Uh, I, I I say it at uh, pretty much every show. Is I would much rather hear your story than attend your funeral.
Yes. Ooh, yep. Come yes. on. Amen I to love that. that. Amen to that. Um, the last thing I just wanted to add was um, I love connecting with the poetry community. So even though I'm not a part of the main crew here, feel free to, you know, reach out to me if you would like to do so as well. Also, just thank you guys so much for the opportunity to speak and just like creating this project. Because yes. sure, there's the open mic portions, but people never get to like sit down and talk about it. Exactly. That's why I wanted to create this particular show for this platform because this was something I feel like. Because even when we did the open mics, we had these conversations. You know, why don't we have one that's specifically just conversational? They can read a piece if you want. Chime in, just give it two cents. I don't care what it is. Let's just have this deep conversation, and it matters. Um, it fucking matters. Or right? there's just too much going on in this world, and I appreciate. I mean, throughout these last pretty much two hours and a half, a lot of people have chimed in in the comments, and thank you so much for that. This was better than what I thought it was gonna be, and I thank you guys for that because um, the truth matters. The truth matters. Your story matters, and we need. Yeah. We need to have these conversations. Um, I don't know about everybody else, but I know me. I'm tired of being silent. I'm tired of being yeah. quiet. We need to be fucking loud. As I remember, I said that at the open mic. You gotta be fucking loud. And yeah. that's what it matters. Um, gotta be louder than the devil's fans. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yes. You twist your dick. We're gonna twist our poetry into motion. <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, <laughs> no, no, you know, I got. I got, I got two, I got, I think two things that I just want to send off with before we end it as well is, you know, yeah, my DMs are also always open. Anybody can reach out to me if they feel the need to. Um, but besides that, I'm going to reiterate what I said earlier in the show, you know, and I will never stop saying it and I'll always say it. Normalize this behavior, normalize these conversations, get out there, talk to your loved ones, talk to your friends. If you're worried about somebody, let them know that you're not alone. Let them know that you love them. Be there for your friends, your family, and anybody in between. Small gestures, kind acts, be a good person. That's all. I'm tired of fucking shit people. Let's change Amen. everything. Yeah, because one of the, the biggest things is that yes. people feel like they can't trust their friends or they can't trust having these conversations. And I know this because last year really opened my eyes about who I can and cannot trust. The main thing is people try to get this information out of you. They try to get you to bear your soul to them, tell you what happened so they can turn around and and use it against you. Yeah. And that has happened to me my entire life. And that is a yes. problem because people feel like they can't be open and honest and tell you, hey, I am having a really hard fucking time. And they don't want to hear, oh, I'm so sorry. And then have those people turn right back around and publicly shame you. Tell everyone that they know, oh, did you hear them? Oh, did you hear this? Oh, they're having a hard time. Oh, they believe this. Oh, they like this. Yes. There's a lot of things that need to be normalized. So many fucking things. Yes. Intimacy. There yes. is no such thing really as too much information if you are close to someone. There's Thank really you. body fluids, everything that has to do with that. You are a yeah. human being. It is time to start 
remembering that you are a human being and stop pretending to be a fucking robot. We are not perfect. We do not live in aesthetics. We do not live in this perfect, primed and proper world. We are human beings. We live in disaster. We live in mess. We live in our gremlin piles or trash piles. Our cars are fucking disgusting. And no, I will not apologize for the trash that's in my car because I have kids and I am a terrible person and I hate going to the goddamn garbage can. Okay? normalize this shit people are messy i'm tired of apologizing that my house is a mess i have two kids and i don't like putting shit away my cabinets are always open because i forget that i have dishes if i don't leave the cabinet open I normalize, it. <laughs> yeah. normalize this stuff you know we we are we're people why are we treating each other like shit yeah we're people we cry we hate we we want to love more so just mm -hmm. do it. Be kind Amen. to, I'm happy to you be kind. That. Life Amen. is not a perfectly aesthetic Tumblr picture. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> it's not the babies in the pampers box. Exactly. And, yeah, and people's no, bodies and are not airbrushed know. or cellulite free or stretch yeah, mark free or hair free. Like, fuck you. But, I, I, mean, I you had guys... a baby have hair in my stomach. Fucking assholes. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Um... No, I mean, you guys know what I've been going through these last couple of months. So I, you guys have been, and yeah, so thank you. Thank you. Um, so just the ending with this. Um, so next week we won't be going live. We're going to be going live every other week for now in the meantime. But um, on Thursday the 7th, I will be having an open mic. It'll be myself and whoever pops in with me because I don't know. Um, I'm supposed to have Rosie Rica with me, but she has a phone situation, so I don't know what's going on with her. But regardless, I'm going to have a regular open mic on Thursday, 9 p.m. So uh, if you guys are free, anyone's free, pop in, and we'll just do our thing. And then after that, the following Friday, the 15th, we'll be doing our part two of the Unraveled Conversations for sure. So, yeah. Um, clarify, your open mic is through Instagram Live? Yeah, Instagram Live, yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, Instagram. I'm yeah, it's... that same day, but I should be home by then. Yeah, so it'll be from 9 to 11 p.m. So that's what, yeah. And, but as far as this particular show, Unravel Conversations, um, it's going to be every other Friday. Just for now, because we're starting, so we want to, you know, see how the things go. And maybe eventually we'll do every week, but it all depends on, you know, because we all have real life stuff to worry about. So, um, yeah. So, guys, thank you for um, joining us. Um, thank you for this amazing live. Thank you for this pretty much return of Unraveled Infos after hiatus. Uh, for those who know, knows what I've been going through. So, thank you guys for just being there. And we will, um, yeah, we'll, um, as far as this particular show, we'll see you on the 15th with part two. And as far as the regular poetry over Mike on the live, uh, we'll see you this Thursday, the 7th. So, um, Darren, you good, bro? Yeah, I'm good. I'm just letting you talk, man. <laughs> it's like phased out. Right. Um, do you guys have anything you want to plug in before I shut this off? Uh, the next nowhere is promised. Uh, yeah, our next open mic um, is on the, oh, fucking Jesus Christ. Saturday Magnus. the 16th at 6. Yeah. 
Six Man, where would you years. be without Magnus, Florence? Fucking no idea. I have to do that show without Magnus because they're also hosting a show, and like I'm just you know it's it's gonna be. I don't have to write a fucking script like we did for the you damn. The sixteenth. Uh, you said you said the sixteenth, right? Yes. Yes. Is that the one we're going? We're getting our pictures taken beforehand, right? Yes. 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 I'll be there. So if you need any help with anything, I can help you. You're gonna have to, buddy, because I am a fucking disaster. I, I got uh, but you. It's Just text me or anything. So an ugly sweater contest. So okay. uh, and like ugly sweater, silly sweater, whatever fucking sweater you want to wear. You know, holiday themed kind of thing. Because like we don't so really just go do without the whole. a shirt. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, don't be tempting Dalton over here. Um, <laughs> Speaking of wrestling. Oh God. Uh, yeah. So it's a. These two, we are having CM like a little Punk. prize that we've that we're putting together. It's a uh, basically just the uh, whatever issues of the uh, uh, fuck poetry the poetry as promised magazine. Thank you, Magnus. I am struggling to word. Um, we'll be putting whatever issues we have uh, printed as our prize because we're gonna do a little smaller this time. Just wear whatever sweater you want, and you know, please don't make it too hard for us because I love you all and I want to give you all everything and I hate that I have to choose something. I don't know why I did this to myself again. So, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be great. And who do we have? Oh, we have John... Lawrence. John Lawrence, yes. And Andrew Vono going to be our our features. And Ollie Shane, uh, who we actually are publishing this month as well, uh, and they're brand new to the scene. I'm really excited for them to to come out because I'm really excited to meet someone that we're publishing through the magazine. That's really cool. Awesome, awesome. Oh God, well, I'm on Cloud Nine, guys. So guys, I'll see you on the 15th, and I'll keep everybody updated about everything else. So um, thank you for this first premiere episode, guys, and thank Hi. you for joining us. And- I love you guys. Love you, yay. All right.